This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Lally today. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is, well, gutted and a bit near, if the truth are to be told, after Saturday. But there you go. Uh, I mean, we were just saying to the boys before uh, before we went on air that uh, it was all going far too well. Uh, you know, got up to London town on the old Rattler in the morning, had a lo- lovely time drinking my coffee and playing with Twitter and listening to some good sounds. Godfathers came on, of course, made me think, thought of a certain gentleman who may or may not be on the show tonight. Uh, and it was all going rather well, taking nice pictures, getting all kind of misty-eyed about another trip to Wembley. Met all of everybody in the Vic pub. Ash turned up and uh, his flight turned up on time and he got his ticket and it was all going well. Got to Wembley and uh, then something happened, which I will reveal later, and then the football happened and... Uh, and we all know what happened at the end of that. And, uh, you know, I skedaddled off back to Winchester with my tail between my legs. But on the, and I think on the other side of the coin, we should not be too downhearted, really. Uh, I think if you look at it, if you look at it with a bit of perspective, the only thing, you know, that was shit about Chelsea's performance, because I don't think it was shit at all, really. But the only shit thing about it was that they didn't win. And sadly, the only thing that really matters in a cup final is if you win, it is so not a place for losers. And uh, as a consequence, me and Pablo were literally halfway down the steps as uh, Zimikas's, uh penalty rebounded off the back of the net. Um, but nil disparandum. It's uh, there's lots to talk about tonight about that. As you are well, well, not, uh, well, I'm sure you're aware. And hopefully, we can provide a little bit of therapy as a result. But anyway, the show tonight is, of course. Uh, making history and reviled by it. Chelsea Fancast 900. And uh, I am Stanford Chidge, of course. And with me, as ever, is the... I don't know how he is, actually, because I've spoken to him since uh, since Friday. But uh, it's Mr. Jonathan Kidd. How are you? You're muted, you plonker. <laughs> muted, resigned. Yes. Uh, gutted. Yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, um, 
uh, optimistic for the future and um, considering all the 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 devilment um, that we had to suffer from with Havertz um, not not recovering from a muscle injury, which was a bit peculiar, um, Christensen having a, a possible mental health issue, which um, must have been terrible for the team as well, and Werner injuring himself in the warm-up. I think we did... Um, we did pretty well because there were periods of that game when we were on top of them is the way we were on top of them. Very similar to the League Cup final, wasn't it? But um, I took my daughter who uh, we got to penalties and she said, oh, that's it. It's all over. Well, a, bit, said, a bit like me to Pablo then, funnily enough. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I suspect, yeah. So I am basically like a 12-year-old girl. That's, that's, <laughs> if, you ever, if you ever wondered, now you know the truth. But... Um, she enjoyed the occasion, and uh, as you say, it's an occasion. But I know the 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 slight, slightly worrying news whether this is an invention now that in fact the government are wondering yeah, well, where. Let's get. Can we introduce our guest before we? Yes, I know. I've, 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 I know, but I, I I couldn't help myself saying. I know. It, I'm so helping you from yourself. It's so important. It's my Jake, job to protect you from yourself, J.K. You know the, the more that we, we associate with each other, the more I'm realising that that is your role in life. It's ba- basically, like, it's like a marriage, really, isn't it? Yeah, it you slightly know. worries me, yeah, because I don't fancy you at all. Well, not you, me, me, neither you. You don't fancy you know. me, I but know. It's like, I know. It's, like, it's like, um, you know, Tony, uh, who's the genius? <laughs> Tony Hancock and uh, Sid James or Ed and, Eddie Large and, and, and the other one, you know, Cannon and Ball, Morecambe and Wise, Hinge and Bracket. Chidge and Kid. Kid and Chidge. Yeah, Kid and Chidge. No, Chidge and Kid. I should go first. Anyway. It definitely costs you should, yeah. We got on the show. Anyway, can I just go down, lie down for a few minutes and think about it? Um, uh, On the show. Um, Well, here's a clue. Uh, Brain of Stamford Bridge. Who do you think that is, everybody? Which one is that out of them all? Great man with great knowledge. uh, Fantastic information. Always so... uh, What's the word? Locutus. No, no. Speaks well. Speaks well always on the show. Loquacious. Fantastic. That's the word I was looking for. Loquacious. Well done. Do always I get a prize a... for that? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a kiss when I see All it. right. That's, um, it is, of course, Mr. Mark Evening, Squire. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, and thanks for that kind invitation. I wouldn't even know how to spell it. Never know, never known what it actually means. <laughs> a bit shades of two thousand and eight all over again. I think over the weekend, yeah, very, very flat after Saturday. I think the only probably up, upbeat point, and we might talk about it later, is I had the great pleasure of meeting um, Dan Finkelstein on the way home. So. Despite the defeat on Saturday, a uh, hell of a lot of optimism for the future. He's going to think you're stalking him, mate. <laughs> <laughs> the fact you haven't said anything tells me I think you probably are, but there you go. Uh, who else have we got on JK? <laughs> who else? Well, publisher, wit, raconteur, uh, knowledge of everything similar, not the same knowledge as Mark. Mark's knowledge is slightly that of a of a, an alien, but um, um, Marco Worrell, he has his own his own table outside full of Broadway where he, the books are on. He's he's just uh, it's gate 17 himself. Mr. Mark Worrell! And I would add to that uh, quite possibly the nicest, loveliest, kindest person that you will meet in the Chelsea community. Can I just say, and possibly the most kind, nice and lovely person you'll meet in the Chelsea community. Uh, well <laughs> Ciao Bella! 
Uh, How are you, mate? Well, I'm still kind of feeling yeah. as gutted as a disemboweled haddock on a fishmonger's slab. I know. Oh. I know. You, know, you look a bit, like, a bit like Gollum, actually, there with your uh, your hood up and your dark glasses. He's got his dark glasses on. Hey, I want to wow. see. I want to oh. see the Jackie Onassis glasses again. What's uh, happened to them? Yes, uh, they, they were highly coveted they by were. Uh, the Queen of Style herself, oh, Julio. Julio, yeah. <sighs> My heart's all a flutter just at the mention of her name. Um, yeah, I know what you mean, mate. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? It's just a not not used to, you know. I, I think actually, and we'll get onto this in a minute, but I haven't actually been to see Chelsea in a cup final for a long time, thanks to flaming COVID. And I was really wanting to to treasure this experience, having not had it for a while. And it was such a letdown to lose it right at the death. But there you go. Anyway, what have we got on the show tonight, people? Uh, well, we'll talk about you know, guess what? The FA Cup final. Um. We'll have a look at the team, obviously, uh, the shambolic start for both Chelsea and yours truly. So there you go. Uh, the fact that I think, as we were saying, they're both pretty evenly matched. Uh, and of course, uh, perhaps the fact that we couldn't finish might have been a reason and penalties being a lot true. And in part two, um, we'll look at Tuchel being a bit hamstrung, as JK was saying. We, we Right at the last minute, we were without Werner, Havertz and Christensen, which didn't really leave him for a lot of options. On the positive side, we'll ask who stood out. And uh, just to bring us right back down in our mood, I'm going to ask the boys out uh, of the three cup final defeats, because of course it's now three on the bounce, which, oh. which one has hurt the most? Um, <laughs> how disappointing has this season been or not as a result? And, uh, and really it would be remiss of me not to finish, uh, you know, this kind of a Chelsea fan cast without uh, addressing the old adage of it was a rather splendid day out ruined by the football, or in this case by the penalty shootout. Uh, part four, we've got uh, loads of brilliant emails from uh, all sorts of people, which is great to see, and, and a question, which is more of a statement from uh, Discord. And of course, there is still football, because stupidly, the gods of football uh, decree that the FA Cup final is not worthy of being the final match of the season, as it bloody well ought to be. So we've still got two more Premier League games to play, the first of which is on Thursday, uh, when Chelsea are playing Leicester, and I will be there, but we're going to have a preview of that. So there you go. That would be on the menu for tonight's... Uh, Chelsea Fancast, should you care to dine with us? But uh, some of us, some of you already are, because you're all in Mixler, which is always good to see. Uh, and as I said, you know, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday, 7pm, uh, there or thereabouts. And you can do it by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea-Fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Uh, and hello to all of you who are there. Daryl, Leaf, Greg. Uh, to name but three, Nathan's in the house, uh, and Pierre is in the house too. So there we go. There's a few of us in there already. Lovely to see you as always. We will be back to talk about the cup final in a sec. Well, here we go. Uh, the FA Cup final uh, review. Um, so, JK, the team um, was very 
similar to what we thought. Uh, you know, Chaloba got the nod in, in, instead of Asby, and I was saying maybe that might be a good idea. Uh, but it was Kovacic that made it out of Kante and Kovacic. Uh, and I thought he'd played uh, J5. So, you know, I mean, I, I was really happy to see that team, to be honest. But what I, what I couldn't believe at all. Well, I, I'm going to tell you this. So for, I'm going to forgive the monologue, which, of course, you boys have already heard. Um, I mean, Chelsea's start was nothing short of shambolic. Even I could tell that. But Terrible. it was equaled only by my shambolic arrival, really. Um, everything was going absolutely tickety-boo. Got to the ground, uh, even got through the turnstiles. And, I mean, T- Pablo and I ch- timed it perfectly. I mean, it was, it was about to kick off. And, uh, you know, we, did, we didn't see any of the build-up, but we didn't, you know, kind of miss anything really important. We saw the kick-off and all of that, literally as I got into the ground. But what happened in between was that Pablo had managed to lose his ticket and started to panic. So he was like, not really sure what to do. So I said, I'll stop panicking. I'll have mine. I'll, I'll go through and I'll just slip you mine, which I did. And I stormed off as I do. And I went immediately right, thinking that that's what the signage was telling me to do. Um, anyway, about 10 minutes later, as I've now gone all the way across the other side of the ground and still haven't found my seat, I realised that maybe my seat was not actually in this direction. And as I was in the back row, it was going to be a right load of ball like to move. So I ended up standing at the back in the middle of the gangway with a few others and watched the entire entire first half there so I think my arrival probably equaled Chelsea's shambolic arrival but enough of my nonsense JK they were Liverpool I think you know quite rightly know that if you get right at Chelsea from the get-go you can you can kind of shock and awe them in a way but what I thought was really interesting was was that Diaz who I think is a hell of a player, by the way, was getting acres of space down the left. They were finding him all the time. Uh, and I think our midfield was finding it really, really hard to to cope with their press. And we were kind of stuck between two stalls, really. Either they were hanging back too deep, James was hanging back, uh, you know, with the defence, or they were too high. And Liverpool were exploiting it. But to their eternal credit, and I think this is the mark of really good, good players and, and senior players, they kind of figured it out. They sorted it out. And I was somewhat relieved that they did because we we were hanging on in there really i think we were very lucky in that 50 we were luck and good defending it was also um it was enjoyable i try and get some positives out of these situations watching the way that liverpool played which is um old terence trent arnold derby um uh, why don't you stay passes the ball brilliantly with the outside of his foot into those runs that salah makes and you think yeah the, the, the pace that they approach it is something that we have yet to be able to yeah. duplicate. They're a good team. If we're good. Yeah, they're a very good team. And um, uh, uh, they were all over us and we were second to the ball. Um, and yet we hung on, which was, as you say, testimony to our um, ability to to appreciate that the play goes in phases. And I think what was so strange about this game, but it's exactly the same with the uh, League Cup final, was that you? Each side has about ten minutes worth of being on top. Um, it's absolutely bizarre. You think, oh, it's now Chelsea's turn to be on top. What's going to happen? Now? Oh, it's now Liverpool's turn to be on top again. When whether the t- both teams get knackered, or but we were absolutely out of sorts completely in the first fifteen minutes, and they uh, they got. I th- was absolutely convinced they'd score. I don't know how they 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 didn't. I think it was we kept the lines. We challenged well. But you could see that something was was deeply going wrong. But once again. I, I have great faith in the side because to, even if they are on top, he's very good at instilling Tuchel this this uh, 
ability just to keep you know keep playing and keep going back to the the basics they know and with with a, with a bit of time it it it, it um we we began to to have our turn and it then went into those phases and the whole of the game did that and very it was, very uh, ebb and flow wasn't it the whole the whole huge, match huge, huge you huge. know even extra time was which i yeah. think which is again you know i can't work this out because you know we, we've been moaning for weeks about how piss poor our form has been and you know I said at the time, didn't I? I said Liverpool actually have looked a bit leggy recently. They've not looked as good as they have been. Their results, they've been getting over the line, which is the sign of a really good team, but they haven't looked impressive. But I think, you know, if if you look at it in, in a sense in the way that Tuchel did today in his uh, pronouncements in the press, that they're far further along the line in terms of their development and, and the way they are as a team than we are. So, you know, we've got a way to go. And yet, it doesn't bear it out in the four games that we played with four them. Games. Yeah, seven, seven, Mark, seven hours. Well, hang on. Uh, Marco and Mark, before we'll get to confusion. Mark, seven hours of football. I, I go to you because it's vaguely statistically related, and I know you'll like that. Seven hours of football, and uh, we've, we're still absolutely dead level, apart from the two flaming penalty shootouts in the, in the two <laughs> finals. That we're not as far behind them, maybe then people are trying to make us believe? Or, or am I just looking at it through blue-tinted specs? No, not at all. I, I would agree. Uh, I'd agree we started slowly. I think we were too reactive at the beginning. We weren't proactive. But I thought we got back in the game quickly. They had the first 15 minutes. I think we had the best of the first half and a lot of the second, and they, they finished stronger. But then we were better an extra time. I just think that game mirrored the Carabao Cup final. But also, it mirrored our season. We played well in large parts of that game. But once more, our Achilles heels of not actually being able to finish our chances. And Diaz is a good player, but you know, like an occasional stat. If you compare him to Pulisic, actually, and I know Pulisic tied towards the end, there wasn't really a cigarette paper between them either. They both had the same amount of touches of the ball. They both had the same amount of shots. They both had the you know, same amount of chances. And they both actually did the same amount of dribbles. But actually, Pulisic is more productive, although Diaz had a phenomenal amount of the ball in the first 15 minutes. Um, so you know, there isn't much between our players and their players. And I think there was a missed opportunity. They were gone, I thought, long before we were gone. And I think we just, I think we just made some bad substitutions. We'll talk about the penalties later. I think some of our subs just didn't have an impact. Um, and on another day, I, I, I think we would have beaten them. But there, there isn't that much between them and us. And I think even Klopp, whatever you think about Klopp, you know, Klopp was very complimentary you know, to us afterwards, saying what a performance, what a team Chelsea are. If we just had someone to put the ball in the net. Yeah, Marco. I, sorry, JK, do you want to come in? No, sure. I was just going to say, which wasn't Lukaku. But, um, yeah, Marco. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it... I mean, you, you can't say it was the difference between the two sides because they couldn't put the ball in the net either, although I thought we defended very, very well. But it, it's, it's been the perennial issue uh, all all, uh, all summer. I mean, I had a bit of a, you know, a bit of a... I mean, I'd had quite a few drinks before the match, I'll, I'll be honest with you. People were being very generous in their rounds of Guinness to me, which I always wholeheartedly applaud. But I, actually, I meant to say this, you know, since I've had the old Rona... I mean, we were talking about this the other week on the phone, weren't we? But we were like saying it's all age-related, that we can't drink anymore. But, mate, I've got to be honest with you. Since I had corona, the corona, the COVID uh, virus, 
I, I can't drink at all, mate. You know, two or three pints and I'm pissed. And I, I, was, I was feeling it on Saturday before the match. Anyway, cut a long story short, made me a bit moany and gobby. And I, in the second half with Pablo, I was going potty at some of the, you know, some of the, uh, some of the, the, the chances, oh. the final ball, and the, and I think I, I mean, I kind of noted it down, and I, I just wondered if the, the something that grinds my gears about Chelsea when they're attacking is they just seem to have a lack of awareness, you know, the lack of awareness, lack of anticipation, and and football intelligence, and, and what I mean by by this is that. They don't see ahead, so they don't see where the pass might go, or they don't react quick enough. And I think Lukaku's very guilty of that, although I don't think he moves particularly quickly. But I noticed Loftus-Cheek too. They're just half a second too slow to go, oh, it could be there. And they don't yeah. seem to move in the right place, Marco. And I don't know, maybe I've just picked up on something, or maybe I was just pissed and a bit moany. Uh, I think maybe you hit the nail on the head. I think the Liverpool-Chelsea thing... Um... The, the difference this season is the fact that they've put away by some distance the sides that Chelsea um, don't. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you kind of look at the season as a whole, um, it's, it's just been bitty, hasn't it? Um, just haven't, haven't scored enough goals in enough games. And that's been the story of the season. And, and I think again at Wembley on um, on Saturday, you know, I, I mean Pulisic, I, I just I don't know, gets a whole game, doesn't he? And I just don't think he's good enough to play for Chelsea. Um, I think the can, hang on a minute, Marco, the player that we had before he got injured in the Arsenal Cup final, I think undoubtedly was. But we yeah. haven't seen that player since. No, I, you know, and he, he tries hard, um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just, he's not Eden Hazard, is he? And never will be. Um, and, and until we kind of find the next Eden Hazard, it, it looks like we're going to have more, more of the same kind of issues because <coughs> ZH isn't, isn't that man either. Um, I didn't. I thought Kovacic was wasn't fit, was he? he wasn't. 100%. I'm amazed he lasted sixty minutes, mate. Yeah, so I, I just wonder if part of the reason that Liverpool were running a mock in midfield in in the first fifteen minutes was partly due, due to the fact that uh, Kovacic wasn't the full shilling. Um, <clears throat> it was about what was he then? About um, six pence. Half a crown. Half a crown. Well, that's more. That's more. Oh, that's more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a farthing. A farthing. I like that. He was a farthing. You know what? I think that's a. Re- you know, I, 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 you saw me and you raised me. I think that's an excellent point, actually. I really do. And I, I often wonder this, actually, when we play uh, teams that set up four-three-three, which is effectively what Liverpool do. I always worry because I think, well, we've got two in midfield and we're outnumbered immediately. And if they're half decent that side, they're going to run a mock, and that's what they did. And I've, I'm, J.K. knows this, don't you, mate? I mean, I've been saying this for weeks. I, I really do wonder that in the final analysis, that that Tuchel wants to go that direction with Klopp. You know, a team that you know presses very high and very aggressively has pacey uh, has pacey central defenders who who can therefore play in a high line has full backs who can get up and down, defend and attack rather than wing backs. Because I think that then then our mid- midfield becomes more robust. 
still means we might have a problem up front. And of course, it'll depend on who we've got in midfield. But I just have a feeling he wants to do that. And he only plays 3-4-3 to protect Jorginho and Silva. But it caused a problem in the first 15 minutes, I think. Yeah, I think, well, it was Liam, I think, who said it last week, didn't he? That he, he sets up to have both Jorginho and Silva in the side to protect them. Um, uh, particularly Silva, who I have to say was fab- fabulous again. And, and, I mean, got clattered oh. after about five minutes and then yeah. played 80 with an injury. Playing on one leg. Yeah. Quite. I, well, fu- I love him, mate. I fucking well, love well, him. Oh, I agree. The, the love for I him. I voted for him as player of the year. I would vote for him as well. Absolutely. I haven't done it yet. I no, voted for him in the Football Writers Award thing that I get to vote in, but I think he probably only got one vote and that was from <clears> me. <throat> young Mian. What has Young Mian got to say? I predicted his player of the year last year, and I think he would have got it last year if he hadn't got injured. I, th- I think the other player that stood out for me on Saturday, I thought Jorginho actually had a fine game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, and I, I've been a critic of his in the past, but I, I thought he stood up really well um, and, you know, held that midfield together well. That's probably, I thought, one of his best games in quite, quite a while for Chelsea. It, it was just, you know, it was just frustrating. Maybe it's sort of like, We've come to the end of a sort of a long, hard season, and there wasn't strength in depth on the bench on Saturday well, or, fully, or fully fit players. Uh, well, yeah. I think I think it's more the latter, Mark. And I have to say, I'm yeah. with you with yeah. you on your your first point. I think, yeah. I think, I think every, you know. Look, when when you you come on, we've all been around the block. We, yeah. I mean, absolutely blessed to have seen a huge amount of finals uh, with Chelsea. In fact, I worked it out. Actually, I must have been bored today or still hung over. I can't remember which, but I worked it out. I mean. Yeah, I've seen us win eight finals and seen us lose five now. So that's quite a lot. You lot would have done more. Uh, and all you all you really want on a cup final is for your team to turn up. I mean, obviously you want to win, but you want your team to turn up, give it everything, not leave anything in the, in the dressing room, not get absolutely tonked and embarrassed or humiliated, but in there fighting for it. And I think... In, in, in terms of that performance, JK, I don't, I can't think of anybody who gave a duff performance on Saturday. I really can't. Lukaku. Even Lukaku. Okay, that's a good point about Lukaku. What I would say with him, he wasn't as good as he's been in the last two weeks, but there's no surprise because he was up against Van Dijk, who's a rather good defender. But he certainly wasn't as shit as he's been for most of the season. I think it was. He was involved, great... JK. He was involved. He was winning the balls, holding he... it up. He was on the pitch, I mean. No, he, he was he better great, than he has been. Come on, he, be he, fair. He, he had a great opportunity. Yeah, to, he should have scored that. It was a, he had it was a really great miss. Not even the one, one opportunity with the goal. He had a great opportunity to banish everything. Of course from he did. Everything. And it, to me, he, he didn't rise to the occasion at all in, in every area. Like a badly made souffle. A badly made salmon. Souffle. Yeah, no, but salmon I prefer. Badly made salmon. A salmon okay, who, let me rephrase. Spring. He, ro- spring. he rose like a tin of salmon. Yeah, tin of well, perfect. Keeping the uh, the metal imagery as I keep using, yes. I called him a garden shed. So I think metal, a metal salmon is perfect. Yeah, thank you. Metal tin of salmon. Yeah, good. Mark, I think even though I was insane enough on Saturday morning to actually predict he'd score the winning goal, uh, I would have kept him on the pitch. Um, yeah, with our weaknesses, with Havertz missing, we were very stretched. Pulisic, I thought, had a good hour, but he ran out of steam. We were so short forward players, and I know we'll come to. Werner's hamstring shortly, but unless Lukaku had run out of and wasn't fit, I'd have kept him on for the whole of the game. I agree. And, and, and especially with um, Van Dyke, Dick Van Dyke going off, he might have got a bit more space then. Um, but, you know, that's hindsight at the end of the day. 
I agree with but you. JJ, he should have scored the chance he got. Yeah, I agree. I agree. A, a world-class striker scores that all day long. Um, but maybe, yeah. maybe Mark, I found out what was happening. The reason he got taken off was, in fact, it wasn't Tuchel who was in the dugout. It was, in fact, JK. <laughs> you know, so you you took you took Lukaku off. I'm with you, Mark. I'd have kept him on, mate. I really would. I wouldn't have. I would, Chidge, despite my being... Um, um, no, I, can I get this get this correct here? I'm not anti Am I going to hear from your lawyers or something? Or what, yeah, no, what's going I, on? I, 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 if Blair turns up and plays well, I don't have a you know a, a prejudice against them for for being no, not good well enough. I'm um he just didn't he had a great opportunity and didn't provide the the. It, I'm not talking about the goal chance. I'm talking about the whole the whole idea of starring in a cup final. But I agree. I found it very peculiar when we were just playing with right. It was Speedy Zayek. Um, uh, who did he bring on? He brought, we had Zayek, Pulisic, and uh, a another. Who was the other one? Well, Mount played? was starting. Yeah, I said, well, no, just for the for the final bit of it, there was no designated. Well, we didn't have a striker, I know. Pulisic. No, then Pulisic came on. I mean, Pulisic, sorry, Pulisic was a Pulisic moved further forwards. He actually yeah, moved into he, that he position. Was, well, I mean, people were also trying to claim uh, that Conte's dream, Marco, of Ruben Loftus Cheek being the number nine had come to fruition because he seemed to be most advanced at the time. I mean, maybe now is a good time to, to bring in... I, I Basically, we might just do this all in one part, by the way, and, and, and we're kind of going all over the place, and I'm quite happy to, to freestyle a bit. But maybe now is the time to talk about what we didn't know at the time, really. I mean, I kept on saying to Pablo, why isn't Havertz coming on? What? He's not in the squad, mate. What? What? He's not even on the bench. Yes. And then, uh, and then well, what about Werner? He's on the, I don't know. I don't know. Shut up, Chidge. Where's Christensen? Where the fuck Well, is- I know. Well, we'll get on to him in a minute. But I, what I now know, having got home and all of that, was that poor old Tommy T didn't have a lot of options up front if Werner and, and Havertz weren't there. So, I mean, that's, that's just bad luck. That's the way the dice rolls sometimes, isn't it? Marco. Sorry, mate. I was just reading what Caesar Aspilicueta has just made a statement Ooh. about missing the missing his penalty. What has he issued a statement? Lord yeah. preserve us. Okay, what's he said? Well, what he said is um what has he said? So he said I wish I could write to you after having added another trophy for our club last Saturday, but unfortunately it was not possible. I felt confident to take on the responsibility in the penalty shootout and I didn't succeed. At the highest level, inches can mean the difference. So I've replied to him, champion of the world, champion of the world. Love you, Dave. Don't ever change. Heart emoji. Oh, sweet. That's why Marco is one of the nicest people in the Chelsea community. I did tell you this, um, Mister Mean. You had your, your you you put your hand up. I, I did, but Werner was there. Um, so whether that's just you know poor old Werner's end to the season, Werner was warming up because where I was, you could see Werner in front of us, and I was saying throughout the latter stage, uh, we need some pace. We need some pace. We need to get Werner on. Yeah. So I'm not sure at what point he did his hamstring in. Um, but li- listening to um, Aspel Equator there, it just reminds me, um, have you ever seen the film Al Pacino, Any Given Sunday? Yeah. Uh, and the inches speech. Yeah. yeah. yeah Aspie's talking about inches there. And can, can you imagine him in the dressing room going full on Al Pacino and talking about getting old in life and having things taken away from you and, and living and dying for those inches? That would make a great captain speech, Asby. Is that the one where he goes, one day I thought I was out and the next they pulled me in? 
not that I, I can't I can't remember I can't remember the whole speech, but it, it's um he's got that team of American footballers and I know, they basically I'm taking the piss. That's the god. <laughs> you know, I, I I spent all my money on the wrong wrong things, and they, he finishes it. What did he say? That's football, guys. That that's all there is. It's yeah. a great it's a great film actually. To be fair, I haven't seen it for years. I might go and revisit it. Uh, it's one of my. I love Pacino as an actor. One of my favorite. It's a great film. It's a great speech. Those three minutes, you know, the best three minutes in cinema. Yeah, you know, you'd love to see that, like a Chelsea captain doing something similar. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't see Dave doing it somehow. J.K. No, I, I, I don't. I don't see Dave doing it either. No, but no. to be honest, I don't, I don't think it needs Dave tweeting. I don't think no, it needs I don't any like Dave it. tweeting. I don't. I don't. Sorry. I don't have time. It's all a bit hand. It's a bit hand wringing. It's a bit hand wringing. I don't like yeah, it. Do, do your talking on the pitch, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, you missed a penalty. Don't fucking worry about it. It happens. I mean, you know, oh, at, at, least, yeah. at least at least at uh, least JK. Um, you, you know, JT. At least he slipped. I mean, Dave's got no excuse really, has he? But it's little margins, though, isn't it? It is. Um, but it, I almost feel that they're contractually obliged to write a tweet. Don't you think it's that? I, and they they just can't end, help but end up with banalities. It's just the way it is, you know. It's just it's it's uh, you know it, it, he may even have somebody does it for him, Marco. He might have a because um, he's it, it, you know he, he speaks English well, but um, perhaps they perhaps they all have a specific uh, PR person, Twitter agent. The tweeting, yeah, the JK, unless he does a fan bite like yours, he should just stay off Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Do you imagine Asby coming on and going, oh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good, though, wouldn't it? If you It'd be brilliant. Do one, do one say, oh, fuck, I can't believe it. Fuck, I missed the fucking goal. Fuck, oh, fuck. <laughs> ah. That's pretty quite weird, you know. I had this kind of really phenomenally weird experience on the tube on the way up to the Victoria, and, and, and opposite me with this couple... And uh, they had to be the most Spanish-looking couple I have ever seen. I mean, they they looked genetically, archetypally Spanish. It was quite quite. Stanets. No, they no not not like that. Not in a kind of a a label way. They, she was beautiful, um, but very. Just, they just both looked so completely Spanish. It was very very weird. Anyway, we digress. What was I talking about? J.K. Christensen. Um, now time to talk about Christensen. Chidge. J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. (laughs) It's all too much. (laughs) I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. 
The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Well, it, it must have been a bit of a shock for the team to have him be selected and then say, I, I don't feel I'm... Well, once Does again... Does anybody know what actually happened? Do, it, do we know? It, it, indeed, it, we're, we're speculating. It's not fair on the boy. You know, if he didn't feel he wanted to play, I think mentally or something, or you don't know whether it's something to do with the transfer. You don't know what We happened. can't speculate on what we don't we know. We can't speculate. But the fact that the mental <laughs> health has been brought into it, I think it's... it's it's not fair for us to bit to make criticism. If if he if he's got a if he was feeling um, mentally incapable or or even the fact that he was about to go and play for another team was weighing on his mind, you know, it may be that he played well in the Leeds game. So I'm I'm uh, uh, I well, can't see how that would have been a, a problem I, with him. But, I mean, know. look, all I all I've heard, I'll, I'll get you in a sec, Mark. But all I've heard is that you know Matt Law, who as we know is close to the club, came out with the fact that apparently he he just right at the last minute pulled out and and didn't want to want to play. And of course that led to everybody on social media doing exactly what we said we won't do, and which we're now doing, uh, which is to speculate on why he didn't play because you know oh it's it's because he's going to Barcelona, he doesn't want to get injured, he's a he's a wanker, he's you know all this kind of stuff. We don't know if that's true or not. And then, of course, other people came in, as, of course, always happens on Twitter, saying, oh, well, you know, in fact, actually, even Matt Law did this, too, on his tweet. So he, it suddenly occurred to him, or maybe somebody at the club had a quiet word in his shell-like, and said, well, we don't know, you know, there may, you know, there may have been uh, there's something else that caused it, you know. And, and uh, good old Rob Haynes, actually, he said, uh, you know, if you think about the fact that the lad uh, was witness to Ericsson nearly dying on a football pitch not that long ago... There could be associated trauma with that that hasn't been dealt with because Bob's very smart and uh, I thought that was a good take. Everybody starts saying, oh, it could be his mental health and stuff. Maybe it was a panic attack and all of that. We don't know. So there's no point really analysing it, I don't think. But there you go. Mark? But it just, sorry. sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, go on, JK. Go on, go on. No, but it will have affected the way the team was set up. It would have affected... If he, if he had a wig out, for example, let's say hypothetically... Yeah. It's going to affect his teammates. They love the guy. They don't want to see somebody struggling like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, we, I mean, you know, the weird thing is, Mark, and I know I know you've got a point you want to make, but let, let this one uh, fester, if you will. Um, what I'm beginning to get a picture of, of this game, was a, a an appallingly bad lot of luck that we've had in this final. You know, players injuring themselves just... I mean, do you know what it reminds me of, actually? Gall, <laughs> gall blimey, love a duck. The final against Arsenal in 2002, where I remember we all pitched up. In fact, it was quite funny. We were with Psycho Phil. We got there ridiculously early. He made a pub down in Tiger Bay open up so we could have a drink at something like half nine. And they were telling us to fuck off. And he insisted that this was not the attitude to take with people who were thirsty and had lots of money. But I remember all morning we were hearing rumours of uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank not being fit. 
JT not being fit. It was all. It seems it seems very similar to that in a funny sense and a bit of a bad luck really. Anyway, Mark, what was, what was the point you wanted to make? Those Chelsea degrees of separation. We we were drinking in Tiger Bay on that cup final day as well. The point I was going to make is I don't see Tuchel as a person that throws players under the bus. I think he's the type of manager that is very, very supportive. So um, I think the only worry thing about it, and you're absolutely right, we don't know. And there's a lot of nonsense spouted on Twitter, not just about Christensen, but also about Chaloba. Yeah, he, he he took a lot of pelters on Saturday. Well, actually, the kid was thrown in at the last minute. He, he probably wasn't expecting to play. So I'd like to think people who put that nonsense up see it on in a different light. I think it's the more the fact that he got leaked out. You know, Matt Law, as we know, good journalists, good contact, good sources. And it's it's more the fact that I don't think Tuchel is the type of person to put that out in the press, you know. To, so I don't think he would throw Christensen under the bus. So it was just more worrying at how it's actually got out because I actually like to think it's a tight dressing room. They are supportive of each other. So, yeah, if Christensen, you know, had withdrawn on the morning, that stays within the confines of the dressing room if it's a really tight-knit dressing room. So that's my only concern is that someone's leaked that out to the press for all the wrong reasons. And then people have jumped on speculating when they actually don't know the facts. <laughs> no, dead right, mate. Dead right. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame. Shame for us. Shame for him, really. I mean, on the other side of the coin, JK, you know, uh, excluding Lukaku, I mean, I was quite effusive about the fact I don't think anybody put in a, in a duff performance. Who, who stood out for you, do you think, in particular? Silver, um, obviously. I mean, you've mentioned yeah, him. Yeah, Silver, magnificent. Um, I thought Alonso had a good game. Yeah, excellent game. Fine, fine. He, he always he, steps up. He's a big always. game player, mate, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've got to love him for that. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, if he goes in the summer, there's speculation that he might go. <laughs> I don't know whether anything is going to happen at all with it. Um, you know, that's why I find these ridiculous tra- transfer certainty. We're buying Pirisic from... Milan into Milan, we're buying, um, definitely buying Kunde. You think that, that, that these just this is nothing's been discussed. They're just they're just players that have possibly come up with the manager, come up with whoever's Marina in charge. They can't do anything until they don't even know if Marina's going to be there. They don't even know if she's going to be there or anything like that. So um, um, uh, it's it's uh, um, uh, originally you asked me who I thought my best player was rather than how I've gotten to this. Well, who, who stood but, out? I mean, it could, doesn't have to just be yeah. one. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, Mace buzzed as always. But it, it seemed to happen in phases. You know, but part of the time we were def- on defensive duties and, and and chasing after people. I thought Rudiger was excellent again, yeah. you know. And and um, the ability they've got to, uh, to get back and save situations. Kante as well did a brilliant run and retrieve from a situation where you thought he's, you know, they're, they're, they're going to get the ball in and score. They're very good at playing that ball over the top, not be offside and getting it. And the very fact you can then stop that from happening is some um, testimony to their fitness and ability. And I thought, uh, um, as I say, Rudy going to specific Conte um, run back, chase, gets the ball, then passes it to one of our players, sets off an attack. Absolutely. Um, superb. Yeah. Alon- Alonso, as I said, um, uh, uh, and uh, raised his game. Um, uh, um, they, they were all under the cosh for the first 15 minutes and from there on put in an absolutely sterling effort. But, you know, as we'll get back to the cliche of 
they've got to put the ball in the net and we just need a couple of players next season. You know, they're saying now that Lewandowski is going to be the person to buy. Oh, for goodness sake, who do we know? He hasn't got anything worked out. What's going to happen? I don't know. Don't ignore it. Don't let it get to you, mate. It's it's in my face. I I can see it. it. I can see it, mate. Uh, It's written written all over your face, Jacob. Anyway, when are we allowed to debate whether or not there will be a club next year? Are we getting back to that? No, we're going to add that in at the end because... Oh, are we okay? You are going to remind me because I will... I will... I will forget. Idea, yeah. I'll consider that my first reminder. Yeah, thank so you. It's like much. a yellow card, really, isn't it? Okay, okay. All right. You. Now, Mark, Mark wanted to say something. Uh, I'd say, as we said earlier, there wasn't many players that you could actually say, you know, you know disappointed today. I think everyone put a shift in. I think there's five players that stood out for me. As I said earlier, Jorginho had one of his best games. Thiago Silva, as we've said, carrying an injury from the get go, lasted 120 minutes. Uh, I thought Reese James. Once settled down, played really well. Mason, penalty aside, thought he had a really fine game. And I thought Marcus Alonso on another day could have had, could have had a hat trick. The other reason I put my hand up, you know, because we haven't actually got it in the script. Are we actually going to talk about? I know we always do it. Craig Pawson at some point, um, because there were some tackles in that game that on another day might have seen more than Reese James be the only player that actually got booked. You know, Milner did a late challenge on Reese James. There was the two-footer tackle on Mount. There, there was a few challenges that, you know, Liverpool players got away with. You know. Or maybe that's just a bit of sour grapes on my part, having lost to them. No, I mean, to be really honest, Mark, you, and JK knows this, the minute the referee does something that I mildly dislike, I'm up in arms. I actually thought, overall, he was a pretty good. He had a pretty good game. He let the game flow, maybe in yeah. the context that you're talking about, maybe a bit too much. I don't think there were yeah. any... Con- clearly controversial decisions that he made and I thought he was pretty even-handed between the two but like you when I got home and uh, saw the match through a different non-Guinness lens um, I did notice those and I saw on Twitter today actually an Everton fan moaning about the Tiago two-footer on silver so maybe there they were a few but let's ask our resident refereeing expert Mr Jonathan Kidd um I find it very difficult to assess from uh, um, where I was sitting behind the goal. Unfortunately, you can't quite see the the uh, the intricacy of the two-footed tackle, or whether uh, the player is off the ground in the same way you can on the box. So it's very difficult for me to make that assessment. I do know that at the penalties, um, the fact that uh, he kept going up to Mandy and asking him to go back on his line, and meanwhile Allison was grabbing the ball and giving a pep talk to the Liverpool player about to take the penalty, which um, for me is completely illegal and, and ludicrous. Is it, is it really? Well, it's it, 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 illegal. It's bad sportsmanship. It's um, undisciplined. It's um, um, putting the game into disrepute for me because it's not fair. It's to have one of the goalkeepers um, take the ball away, go up to his player who is walking in and walk with him is gaining an advantage. And they should just wait to have their go. And even what this thing they do now is it that they advance towards the player and stand there and intimidate them. We're not boxing. We're not about to have a, a, a bout. You don't have to do that. They should, they should pass laws for this. Or just tell them, if you don't go and stand on the line and prepare yourself for the penalty, I'm going to book you. And if you do it again, I'm going to send you off. And that's where I always get so fed up with this. This who are they playing to? The referees in this instance. They don't want to be seen to be taking it too far. But your assessment of Pawson, other than my inability to see from where I was particularly, I thought he did let the go, game go. And also 
he appeared to have a couple of linesmen with him who were absolutely keen to flag a foul, which I always think is a positive because we rarely see that anymore. And so they, they've got his team that he gets together. He seems to me to be pretty good. But yeah, I think he was, um, uh, as you say, there was nothing outrageously um, uh, um, red cardable, any any foul and, and, and dangerous play that I saw. But once again, it's tricky. I even I missed that Ross had taken the penalty. I was so far away. But by then, I was hiding under the seat with my daughter. Mm. So uh, um, so I uh, and we're fan by. I said Ross didn't do anything. In fact, he scored with the penalty. What a mug, what a mug I was. But I was. I, well, mate, I, I, I didn't even realise it was him. I was because my no, my that. eyesight's so poor now. I know. Neither did I by then. But by then, I just thought I was jumping yellow. Who's take, that taking uh, that penalty? Yeah, no, but that, that the terrible, <laughs> the, the awful false dawn of Mandy saving it. And well, then let's get let's scoring. let's let's get into oh. the, let's get into the penalties oh. now. I mean, here's oh. the here's the thing, Marco. Uh, oh. Calm your tits, love Christ. Uh, you know, I remember right at the death of uh, of normal time. I turned around to Pablo and said, "Mate, this would be a really good time to score, so we can all go home or go to the pub." More to the point. And then in extra time, I just thought, I don't think either side are playing like they want to lose it. So, I mean, they both ran out of gas, I thought. But I have to say, every minute that ticked through an extra time when we didn't score, I was just thinking, oh, it's going to go to penalties and we're just going to norse it up again. I I felt so I felt so uh, unconfident about us winning it on penalties. And and, and, and Pablo was having a go at me saying, Chish, Chish, we're, you know, we're, we're shit at penalties, we're shit. And I said, well, actually... Maybe I'm wrong, but we're not too bad. I actually worked it out, and we are actually officially shit at penalties in finals. We've we've had eight finals where it's gone to penalties, and we've won two out of those eight. So 25%. We've got 25% success rate for penalties in finals, Marco. Uh, did you have the same kind of bad juju feeling? Yeah, I, I, I had that after about 60 minutes, to be honest Really? With you. Seriously? Yeah, I just thought... Tell me more. No, no, I just thought you, you could see it. You could see the pattern of the game after we'd weathered the early storm, failed to convert chances. It was just, you know, Carling Cup Mark II. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just the longer the, the game sort of went on into in, in normal time, I thought, here we go, extra time, and then... No, no, neither team will want to... We'll, we'll cede many chances and... Shut up shop and it will go to go to penalties. Um, so yeah, uh, and yeah, that sort of. I, I would just rather. I would honestly rather lose two nil, having gone for it in extra time, than just go through that shit um, <laughs> of, of thinking that you've lost it and then seeing Mendy save Mane's his his brother. His brother Mane's penalty, only to screw it up again. Um, yeah, I, that penalties. was a, so dreadful. That, that, that was. That was. Yeah. The the pain of the no, cheering. The up Jordan. and down. I mean, you know, oh, Marco. Yeah. Marco. You know, described Chelsea. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing for me. Uh, I mean, the Moscow thing. Oh. That that was just that was horrific, and we'll we'll never be. Um, surpassed in terms of misery, yes. Um, but but you know, it's just a shit way to lose a game. Fuck it, bring back the golden goal if they're gonna 
you know, if you're going to finish it, have to find a way to end a game without a replay. Well, you know what? Penalties. Our mate Harry, or Sid, if you prefer, Sid Celery, <laughs> in his own inimitable fashion, uh, explained it with the best. I mean, if you ever want logic, Sid is your man. And, and he basically said, Penalties have got nothing to do with football. He said, by the by the time it gets there, what he said, you know, in a sense, what's the point? I may be paraphrasing you wrongly here, Sid, but the point that I I really quite enjoyed that you made was that, um, in a sense, there is there is sense to them because if you get to penalties, then you haven't done enough to win the match. So, in other words, you get what you deserve. Uh, and I thought, actually, you know, I haven't looked at it like that, and that's a good point. And I think that's kind of what you're saying, Marco. If we hadn't spurned those chances, we wouldn't have been in that position. Or if we'd have gone for it or been dicked by a better team, then you would have no complaints. And I and I know exactly what you mean. I I mean, I I was very worried about the penalties. They're a complete bloody lottery. I feel terrible for Dave, who doesn't deserve it. I feel even more terrible for Mason, who clearly didn't want to take one, by the way, certainly because he was he was the first of the non designated penalty takers and I feel really awful for the program he's going to get and the, and it ju- I just left feeling meh I mean what what do you do as I said like, if we'd have won it'd been great if we'd have lost two or three nil I could have moaned about it and explained why but we get that far and then it suddenly JK none of it seems to make sense anymore and it really annoyed me well I, mean, the, I, I went through the alternatives of the that somebody came up with a, an idea of um, you play 11 against 11 uh, for uh, two minutes, if nobody scores, you play ten against ten. If nobody scores for two minutes, you take one off until it gets less and less players on the pitch, and that, you might as well do that. Except they'd all, you know, be knackered and kick themselves to pieces. Um, so uh, ultimately, I don't know how you decide it. I don't know what alternative. What they're... was wrong with replays and a hey, replay? Yes, and replay. A replay. Yeah, that's true. A replay. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Particularly on a final. Yeah. But they'd say, where do we fit it in? We've got the Champions League coming up. No, no, we? I mean, I, I understand all that. But for over a fucking century, we had replays. You know, fuck all this bloody uh, penalty shootout nonsense. Well, yeah. D- dare I say it, and, our, and our, chap, our friends over the other side of the pond will not like me for saying it. But it, it smacks of a of a very American stroke commercial decision, you know. Oh, let's give the punters some more excitement, and we have to have a result because you know we can't handle a draw. You know, I'm with you, Marco. Man, I, I sit at a test match for five days and end up with a draw. I don't care. You know, the bottom line is I'm with you on the replay thing, and I can't. And I, actually, thinking about it, the more I think about it, the more I think, well, aren't they actually missing a commercial trick here? You know, they get double okay. bubble on the on the on the gate receipts. They get double bubble on the TV revenue. They advertise. Everybody's happy. Everybody's making more money. I can't understand why they don't do it, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. The, the replay. You know, even if you sacrifice, you know, throughout the earlier rounds that there's no replays and penalty shootouts earlier on. You you sh- you want to finish the final in the right way. So, if we're drawn on Saturday, we'd have a replay this Wednesday night. Uh, the very latest, the following Wednesday. And then we should still play Leicester on the Thursday. Like, we had to play Man City in the full Members' Cup, having played Southampton the day before. And I've I've spoken to a lot of that squad, and they said none of them were knackered. They were they, they said it wasn't a problem. It wasn't, he said, the, the, drink, the, the drinking after the Southampton match was more of a problem than the fatigue, I was told. <laughs> in the course of the 20s, it was regular. You did regular. Yeah. It was Christmas. Christmas, you'd play on the 25th and the 26th. 
I like it. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving your work here, boys. This is why this is why I do this show with you lot. I'm now I'm now so motivated. I'm going to start a campaign to bring cup final replays back. Yeah, you know exactly. exactly. It's, it's not even just that. You you go back to seventy six, seventy seven. You know, we we played. Who did we play on the Friday? We played Fulham on the Friday. We played Luton on the Saturday, and we played Charlton on the Monday over Easter. Yeah, we played three games in four days over Easter. Yeah, not that long ago. Final. We played Southampton the day before. Yeah, exactly yeah. that. Exactly. Two, two in two days. There's, yeah. another, there's another good reason why we should reinstate replays because our, our replay record is two for two for zero, as the Yanks would say, whereas our penalty record is is eight for two. I think I don't. Have I got that the right way around? Somebody who's a Yank tell me. But you know, eight eight penalties, uh, eight finals that have ended on penalties we've only won two whereas two finals have uh, been gone to replays and we've won them both jk so there you and, go and throwing charity shields it's even worse oh, i i don't exclude those because they're, they're a Mourinho yeah, trophy they're, they're like they're friendlies aren't they i don't care about the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, but does this not make us uh, um, can, um set up the the possibility of discussing whether the squad is deep enough, whether we not have... Not yet, because there's, whether, something, oh, no, there's something else on penalties that I only discovered. Oh, okay. uh, I yeah. only discovered um, through Football.London, I think. But there's a Norwegian sports stroke football psychologist who wrote a very interesting Twitter thread about the penalties. And it was... Oh, fuck, I should have, I should have noted this down. I am, I am going to find it uh, like... Uh, uh, Liam Neeson would say, "I will find it. I will find it." Uh, but there's some, uh, of course. Typically, I know how I can find it because I, I followed the geezer. Because I thought, "Oh, you you look interesting. I'll follow you." And uh, here we go. Gear Jordet, Jordet. I don't know. He's football psychology researcher, consultant, speaker, professor, Norwegian School of Sports Sciences. Uh, l- there we go. So they love looking where no one else is looking. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, he did a long, long. Uh, here we go. Liverpool beat Chelsea on penalties in the FA Cup final. A penalty shootout is a psychological game, starting with how the manager communicates with his players after the final whistle. Klopp and Tuchel spent those five minutes very differently. Here are the events chronologically. Because Liverpool finished their huddle early, they ste- they step into the mid-circle first and go to pick position. They pick the side closest to their bench, which enables staff to give further instructions during the shootout and maintains closeness to the warmth of the manager. Uh, Klopp's monsters of mentality are not born, they are made. Proactive preparation, composed execution and warm loving communication tend to give the best possible foundation for performance under extreme pressure. Liverpool was 1-0 up before the shootout had even begun. Uh, and uh, I think there are, there's more, but I, I think you get the gist of it. I mean, he, the other thing he was saying was that, uh, I can remember this bit, that Tuchel was really, not sorry, that Klopp was really clever in the fact that he obviously absolutely knew who he wanted to be his his designated penalty takers. He His, his methodology then was to go up to each one, quick chat with them and a big hug onto the next one. And then they got into their huddle really, really quick. Whereas Tuchel seemed to be trying to figure out who he wanted to take penalty, then realised what Klopp was doing and then suddenly got into the huddle. So maybe there, our approach was a bit more disorganised and chaotic. And you know what you were saying earlier, boys? Inches and margins, the fine margins are, are you know, basically what makes the difference, JK. Well, particularly with Dave's penalty. Poor boy, poor chap, poor fella. And um, and then uh, and then we have poor old Mace. Oh, you feel for them so much. Don't I do, you? I do, because I would never dig them out for. I've never dig them out for missing one in a in a in a final because, 
you've got to have massive bollocks to uh, to take one. And, I, and, I, and as I said on Friday, J.K., you know, Tuchel said in the in the in the presser, didn't he, that something that I've often believed, and I think actually what this Norwegian psychologist was saying, I, I think there's a, I think that's all all very good, and I totally agree with meticulous preparation and, and eye on detail. But you cannot replicate in training what you will face psychologically, pressure-wise, fatigue-wise, and everything else that you will. Uh, you know, in in a, in a cup final, so I would never dig them out for missing one, Mark. And again, we're actually three for two. Sounding sounding American there for for the season because we won we won the Super Cup on a penalty shootout, and we won two Carabao Cup ties yep. at home on shootout. So yeah, we can win shootouts. It's just so frustrating that we all seem to lose them. You know, at, at a Wembley final. Yeah, definitely. But my point was, we sh- we should have put the game to bed. It should never have gone to penalties. And again, Tuchel running around trying to find a penalty taker probably reflected again some of our substitutions. You know, maybe players were tired or knackered. Kovacic, you, you, you couldn't avoid. Kovacic, you know, had to go off because he was injured. But if Lukaku had been on, he would have certainly taken a penalty. And you probably wouldn't have had Dave taking a penalty. Now, Dave, yeah. Dave often does. And actually, in my experience of Dave, he's a pretty decent yeah. penalty taker. He took an absolute stonking one uh, the last time we did it, I seem to recall. JK, would you like to talk about how disappointed you are? Is that what you want to talk about? Or do you want to talk about what happened? I think we can... I th- actually, you know what? We can pull it all in together. Because I was going to ask you boys... Um, first of all, I was going to ask you boys out of... You see, because this is the thing. I think this is the other thing that really pissed me off. When you have lost two FA Cup finals on the spin and you go to the third one... You really kind of mentally think, well, if obviously we're going to win it. It's our turn. Nobody's, we can't break history by being the only club that's ever lost three on the spin. So obviously we're going to win, you know, it's, and we lost the Caribou to them. So it's going to even out because that's how it all works. So I think that added to my general state of mehness. But out of the three, the last three cup finals, Jake, I'm going to ask all of you this, by the way. Out of the last three, which was the one that hurt the most? Because a lot of the peeps have been asking me that on, on Twitter and things. Uh, I can't even remember which. What was it? The Arsenal, the, Leicester, Liverpool. Um, uh, the Leicester one was awful because we didn't play very well, and then we had a, an obvious goal ruled out at the end. I almost felt like sympathetic VAR to Leicester because because they had never won the FA Cup before. Um, so that was a terrible disappointment. The uh, uh, the Arsenal one when we were uh, in the lead and then everybody every everybody tore their hamstring was. Um, desperately awful um and i the, the one that hurts me more is the arsenal we all attended when um taylor refereed like a complete dick hey what, what else is new and uh, uh that was that was worse for me that arsenal loss was i that weirdly the fact that we keep getting to finals is such a positive that and shows the direction the club is going is marvelous that i can accept that I accept the fact that we are such an elite team and such a good side that we keep getting to cup finals. And I actually said that to my daughter. I said, look, but the, I started watching this team when they're in the second division. And I said, this was just nothing. You cannot be prepared for anything like this of just getting to finals, which, and I know it's a disappointment to you and I know you want them to come and win, but they'll keep <clears throat> on winning and they will be, there, you know, I've got great faith in club existing, I suppose, and having having the owners making it work. But they're one of the, the best clubs in the world, and this is going to continue. So let's look at the positive side of it. And all he needs to do is get the correct team in front of him, and they will put these games to bed. So I actually um, 
see the positive aspect of it. Of the three, I think um, uh, the, the, all of this one is merely just about not scoring again, which we've just dis kept discussing all, all season. We've been discussing that. We played marvellously. We're, we're a great team. The Leicester, Leicester one, um, we supposedly were a great team and then we went and won the Champions League. So we, we, we are we're a great team, which seemed to banish that for me. Uh, the previous Arsenal one, we were just unlucky with injuries. So um, I can't honestly well, say... Well, and Taylor. And Taylor, of course. Yeah, and Taylor's idiocy. But So I, I, I perhaps it's that one because of Taylor, but uh, uh, in a sense, it's uh, I would grab the, the positive behind the fact we've been to three finals in a row which very few clubs manage ever to do. And it shows you what a fantastic side we are. No, I agree with that. Marco, which one hurts most for you, old love? Uh, Leicester. Why? Only because um, <clears throat> well, it sort of came It came at the end or when we had the window in the pandemic to go to a game. Um, I don't know. My expectation was a lot higher for that game. Um uh, yeah, it's just a sum, sum of all the different parts. I, I, I was I'm just gutted by that one. Mm, yeah. um, I much as I hate losing to the Scousers. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean, Mark. What about you, mate? Uh, for me, it was Saturday. Um, if, if I look at the Arsenal game, yeah, we were, we were in the middle of the pandemic, so we weren't there. Uh, the Leicester game, as annoying as it was to lose in the manner that we lost with that goal and Anthony Taylor. I think the plus for me um, was we'd come out of the pandemic and we met beforehand, Marco and I. It was great to see Marco, great, you know, Chelsea fans on the concourse before the game, you know, seeing people like, you know, Martin and Julian, people we know. It was just fantastic. You know, Ian Roger, brilliant being on the concourse before the game. And it was like the first proper game, you know, in quite a long time because of the pandemic. So that outweighed it for me. But... I always look upon it, how do you feel afterwards? Do you go straight home afterwards or do you go to the pub and is it just miserable in there? And I had a couple of pints sat and just went home. It just was really flat. And for me, for me, this took me back to 2008. Losing two finals to Liverpool in the same season for me was as bad as losing to Tottenham and Man United in 2008 in the same season. And I'd like to think I can sort of handle losing, you know, and losing at Wembley, I'm, I usually cope with it well. Losing home games, as we say, an hour later, you might be having a pint, it's all forgotten about. But just the manner of the way we lost on Saturday, they were there for the taking. We didn't take it. We should have won it. You know, it's just it's it's just frustrating. On another day, we'd have probably put two or three of those chances away, and we'd be sitting here tonight saying, Do you know what? What a brilliant end of the season. We've won the FA Cup again. Yeah, no, I. I'm to I'm totally with you on that, Mark. Actually, uh, I, for me, the 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 defeat on well, not the well, it is a defeat, isn't it? It it, it hurt more than the other two, uh, but very simply because uh, I wasn't at the uh, the last two finals because of COVID, so therefore they don't count. Only counts if I'm there. Uh, but I think actually, as, as well as that, as I said, it was the expectation. Having lost two on the spin, I just couldn't believe we'd lose three on the spin. And I think you're absolutely right as well, Mark. I think. I mean, I said it. Did, I can't remember what I said it on. I think I might have said it on that Chelsea pod with uh, Nick and Jack yesterday. But there was a sense to me. I mean, you know, this is the. In fact, I think well, I think uh, Nick might have made this point, which I think is an excellent one. That this season's arguably been as emotionally uh, draining and and tough and turbulent in its own way as that two thousand and seven eight season, where where we 
you know i mean i i remember it very clearly and whatever the the hindsight now tells us we were absolutely devastated at the shock of Mourinho going because there was shock to it. It wasn't really expected. And then we had Average Grant, who, bless his heart, wormed his way into our affections because he's a decent bloke. But it was chaos. And, and then we got we got out of the chaos. Then we got to the, the Spurs Caribou Cup, well, whatever it was then, lost to Spurs. And one of the worst experiences I've ever had at Wembley and all the time we've been going there, was it was just awful to be completely uh, outsung by Spurs fans who were desperate to win anything and we just weren't up for it and we were outplayed. And then Moscow, of course, which I, I didn't even see live because I was working, but it was just devastating and all of that. So we've had a similarly, I think, turbulent and emotionally wrought season, uh, what with you know, the injuries, uh, with the fatigue as a result of that, and of course ending it up with uh, you know, Roman having to sell the club, which emotionally is very traumatising for us all. And all through it, Thomas Tuchel and the majority of the players have been absolutely stellar. I mean, they've just kept at it. Tuchel in particular has just kept it all together. And I think it would have been lovely for them. I, mean, I kind of said that they deserved it. But I mean, you know, I, I corrected myself because you have to earn the right. You don't, you don't deserve anything in football. But I think it would have been really appropriate had we finished on a high with a trophy because I think, I think it would have been great. And I think it's really sad that they that they didn't uh, manage to do that. So, yeah, disappointing, and then some, really. Um, the other flip of the coin is that we all have very different experiences at Wembley. As you know, uh, I go to the Victoria pub, and I, I met some I met Dan Silver there, Russ from Melbourne, Phil Spector, not that Phil Spector, uh, Smithy, the lovely darling Smithy, who I absolutely adore. I mean, you know, because I, I started going to the Victoria in Paddington, really because of Smithy and Psycho Phil and all of that lot. They've been going there for years. But I saw all the mantles. Well, Gary and Darren and uh, Graham. Clayton and Charlie turned up as well. And Pablo, obviously. And uh, probably loads of people that I've forgotten now. But it was a brilliant, brilliant... I mean, it was one of those occasions where it was actually so much fun. You would start saying, well, should we bother going? Because this is really quite a lot of fun. We could just get absolutely hammered here. But obviously we went and and you're right mark i mean it's great seeing people on the concourse as well i bumped into david branch and cammy big hug with cammy it's it's lovely to do that and there is another side to this and that's what I'm, we all mean when we say the football's a great day out uh, ruined often by the football but there you go uh jk i mean you, you went with georgia to her first final how did that pan out for you well she went to the uh the league cup final of course so she did so she did she just thought it was um more of the same, really. And she actually said, do Chelsea never win finals, Daddy? And then uh, I said, well, yes, they do. They won the Champions League last year, but uh, uh, you've just been unfortunate. But I said, do you think you'll carry on supporting the team? And she said, I'm not quite sure if they don't win finals. Oh, oh God, thanks for that. Oh, that's great. Just... Did you ask her who she might support? And, uh, and I don't think, I think football would just disappear. She has a tendency to, to uh, take things on, do them quite well and then join them and then dump them. So, uh, you know, perhaps it's just a, a one-off thing, in which case it, it'll be cheap. So uh, uh-huh. I, should, I should be happy with that. Um, uh, yeah, she, it was, it was, it was, it was, um, the, I, I, my aim was just to get her out of there. You know, we get back, she says, can we go? And uh, I'm with her with that. We went back and um, went back to Marylebone. I like Marylebone as a station. We went and bought some stuff from Marks and Spencer and sat on the... Um, one of the benches and watch the people go past. And she kept saying, can we just avoid all the Liverpool fans? Is that possible? Can we just avoid them? And I kept saying, because they'll crow. They'll be really crowing. She was wearing a Mason Mount shirt. That was why. And she was just worried that um, they would um, shout at her. But um, 
Yes, so we... Uh, How, how's your flag, lad? You know all of that, yes. How's your flag, lad? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they tried to make out, didn't they, that some journalists, that um, how did Chelsea manage to afford the flags, considering money isn't supposed to be spent? They John Aldridge. Make political... Uh, it was John Aldridge, muckraking. Yeah, that's yeah. right. What, what is the matter with that guy? What is... There's some... He's a feckers mint and he's a complete wanker. And yeah, very right. possibly both, a Gareth, too. Both both of them. All three of those things at once, yeah. Um, yeah, so I've... I've uh, being a... Um, I met some friends beforehand. I met Tim, who I regularly go away with, who I went to Leeds with, and his family. We met at a pub and uh, stood outside and I had a coffee. Usual, usual thing, you know. But um, and Georgia was embarrassed because she didn't want to speak to them because they were all adults speaking about things she didn't know anything about. So uh, she looked at her phone a bit and then we left early. So um, and uh, and then she had a, a bagel, which cost her eight quid, cost me eight quid, a bagel. Eight quid. That's mad. Come That's on. mad. Come on. Yeah. And a glass of and a water. Three quid. I mean, come on. Come on. Anyway, enough. Yeah. Mark. Eight, was it eight pounds for a bagel in Wembley? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. It's that's, all, that's mad. It, oh, it's all appalling. Smoked salmon, a little bit of smoked salmon, and cream cheese. Didn't, oh, God. Didn't DJ tweet, weren't licorice all sorts, um, £4.50 for a, yeah. like, five licorice all sorts? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a rip-off. It's so horrendous. Oh. You, you, you just go to pick and mix in Woolworths if it was still there and just sneak them in with you. Yeah. yeah. Stick, 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 stick the licorice all sorts in with all the flares that came in that no one, no, no oh, one found on Saturday as well. The first five minutes of the game, one watched it. It was like in the fog, wasn't it? It was a, a red fog, red mist. Uh, the referee shouldn't really have started the game because you couldn't see b- bits of it, but he, he had to because of all the, the schedules that were going on. But, oh, dear me. And the programme, I've got a programme, that cover was just completely, it was a Man United cover that they seemed to have got, because it was 150 years they were celebrating, but they then, they did a combination of cost. They put big, thick shin pads and huge boots on somebody who looked possibly like Dave, but it was possibly Dave and Kovacic, and similarly, possibly Henderson, all wearing very long baggy shorts, but then not going from any particular era. And it just looked like an old Man United programme, because that's what Man United did. They always had the bloke shaking hands with the other one, the same. So they did some, the trouble is you get, some kid will have designed it, will have gone, oh, look, there's an iconic picture of somebody from United. Yeah, we'll stick them together. And it doesn't then make any sense. It's almost it's almost a disaster being being old and having knowledge of these things because you just think, oh, God, that's just complete bollocks, isn't it? They've managed to not do anything. They've that's... just made something that, that somebody young might go, oh, look, some old people dressed in strange strange outfits. But if you're most of the people who watch football, you'll go, you've just stolen that from that programme and it doesn't look very good and yeah. it's not. And what's it saying? It's not saying anything. That's how I feel about music these days, JK, really. Uh, Marco, you normally have a, 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 a well-trod uh, Wembley ritual. Was it any different this year? Um, well, only because uh, I, I just decided that the, the guys I sit with, we had this childish idea to recreate um, a photo that we took in Stockholm in 1998. Um, so we, we did that. Uh, and, and we just based ourselves in. Um, well, I, I, I normally go to walk to Stamford Bridge to walk around the stadium, but obviously that isn't permitted at the moment. So I'm, I'm blaming our malaise on on that. So we walked past the stadium through through the cemetery, said hello to Gus Mears, 
who who's uh, who I have noted his his um his grave is looking particularly unkempt and unchelsea which is a bit of a shame. Well, we need to sort um, that out. Yeah. Uh yeah, and then we went to La Papardella in the Brompton Road and uh had um Lots of food and limoncello and is that, good, is that a good Italian restaurant? That one you recommend it? Would you, Marco? It's, it's a, they've got a really great menu. If you walk past it, you I yeah, no, I know, and I've not seen it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you walk past it, you'd think, mm. but the menu's really, really good. Some fantastic dishes on there. Are you part of Richard Schaller's limoncello army then? Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. You see it with the t-shirts. Yeah, I like we that. hate Tottenham. We hate Tottenham. Mark, Mr. <laughs> Meehan. Yeah, we, we had the same ritual. We, we've been going to the same pub in North Harrow now, I think, since Drogba scored the winning goal back at the first Wembley. And I think the wins out, outweigh, outweigh the losses. And again, absolutely great time, great people, lots of familiar, familiar faces. I think less of us after the game, only a few there sort of drowned in sorrows. We did a pre-match drink on Friday. It was all, as I said, the train journey down, you know, you know, if you know Jeff, you know Barnett, they, they came along with all, all their crowd from last year you know, that we had pre-Leicester. And it was just a great trip down on the train, singing the old songs, having a few beers. And that's just the more, obviously, frustrating thing as well. It just didn't feel at any point during the day until the penalty shootout that we were going to lose. Every, all, all the omens felt good. Everything was right, as he said. You know, we didn't want to be the first team in history that had lost three cup finals in a row. We've had our bad luck at Wembley in previous years with bad refereeing decisions. I was just absolutely convinced from the moment I got up Saturday morning that we were going to win the cup. Probably that's why it probably feels as bad as 2008. You know, <laughs> now probably sort of self-inflicted. But it was just a great day. Good people, good Chelsea people. You know, just disappointing outcome. But just a bit of a side. Um, I know we're going to talk about the Leicester game. Yeah, I think the other thing we concluded on Saturday night in the pub is I'm going to miss the Leicester game because I'm going to be in Munich on Thursday. Of course you are, yeah. yeah it's, it's the anniversary on Thursday. So around about the time um, sort of like, you know, everyone was descending on the Allianz Arena 10 years ago, we will be back there in the Allianz Arena on Thursday evening. You know, so there might be a few photos put up and a few beers sunk, but t 10 of us who are in the pub at the game Saturday... We're all flying out to Munich Thursday morning for a bit of R and R in Munich, commemorating our Champions League victory. Will you will you do me a favour? Will you will you go and visit the Augustiner beer keller just north of Hauptbahnhof, just for me, and give it a very big a cuddle and a kiss? What you should do, Mark, you should um, outside the Alliance Arena on that sort of raised bit where it's all flat. You should mm -hmm. jump jumpers down for goalposts and redo the penalties. <laughs> Phoenix, Phoenix, <laughs> Phoenix from the flames. Phoenix from yeah. the flames. Yes. Yeah. Or, or, or take it. Get, someone could be Wan Matter taking a corner and someone could be, I'm bringing my Drogba Champions League shirt with me. So, you know, we can sort of head, head the winner in and, and we're getting um, sort of like um, T-shirts made of like, you know, your city, your stadium, our cup as well. So um, looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a, a good way to recover from losing the FA Cup final, <laughs> celebrating the Champions League win. What was the name of the beer keller, Chidge? The Augustiner Beer Keller, just yeah. north of Hauptbahnhof. 
I think we were in there, perhaps, yeah, because we were drinking near Hout Bahnhof in a beer keller. So, yeah. It's a real, it's a big... Send me the link. We'll, we'll go there, have a beer and take a photo for you. Oh, please do. It was I great. The Germans out looking for you. Yeah. Who the fuck is Chelsea London? <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Who the fuck is Chelsea London? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I know. Also, the Shakespeare, that's where all my lot, I had to go and get a bloody plane. Yeah. Uh, and uh, all my lot ended up in the Shakespeare and there's some great video of all of that going on. It was uh, what a night. Uh, by the way, on the on the uh, matter of uh, no pun intended, the matter of the ten year anniversary of uh, of Chelsea uh, losing their Champions League trophy winning virginity uh, ten years ago. Lordy, lordy, that's quite remarkable to think about it. But I have a massively huge, wonderful, special treat for you all, you listeners, you lovely listeners, uh, which will be coming out as a podcast on Thursday at some time, probably around lunchtime. Uh, all about i'll give you a clue i'm not going to tell you what it's about but there's a reason why i'm releasing it on thursday so you have to figure that out so there you go and i shall say no more so there we go uh and i'm going to say no more for what has been a very long part one uh because i think we're going to have a quick break and then we're going to come back and in part two we are going to talk about ye old emails and uh after that, we're going to have part three. And we're going to talk about the Leicester Chelsea, the Chelsea Leicester match on Thursday, and J.K. is going to tell us why we won't have a club by then in part three. Okay, we'll be back in a sec. Oh, remember, oh God, I don't need to remind you then. I'll, I'll, I'll forget at the crucial minute. You know what I'm oh, like. Yeah, okay. we'll be back in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast, the uh, FA Cup final review, which is a bit depressing, really, but I hope we've kind of given you a bit of therapy along the way, as we like to try and do. Uh, now, in a minute, we're going to have we've got some fantastic emails to read out, which I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. But before that, we have uh, uh, an announcement from the the premier uh, Chelsea book uh, entrepreneur stroke publisher of his generation. <laughs> the only one. OK, the only one. I'll settle for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you book Claxon. Um so tomorrow is the 25th anniversary of the day when Wise went up to lift the FA Cup. And um, during the pandemic, a fella called Jason Gibbons, who, if you've read the fantastic charity book, uh, Tales from the Shed, has contributed a very fine tale called uh, Buying a Mac for Moscow, uh, approached me and and with an idea for a book, which um, is entitled For Better or Worse, uh, Life, Love and Supporting Chelsea in the 1990s, which is a very um, emotional roller coaster ride take on uh, essentially Jason sort of coming of age, going to watch Chelsea on his own with his pals, uh, meeting a girl, falling in love, falling in love with Chelsea. And it's all flip-flopped with every round of the uh, 97 um, triumphant cup run. And it's a jolly good read, and I would recommend it to everyone. 
Um, not least because I think of all the books um, that have come out on the Gate 1117 label, as DJ calls it, um, it has the single most funniest reversal of expectation that you will read, which isn't actually football related, apart from the fact that it takes place in Portsmouth. Um, so yeah, I, 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 it's, a, it's a really, really good book, very well written. And obviously the nineties were kind of a transformational decade for Chelsea anyway. And that cup run uh, for 97, um, you know, was special to a whole generation or two generations of Chelsea supporters who were too young to have um, been at Wembley for the 1970, or been at Old Trafford for the 1970 FA Cup final replay triumph. So it's a great book. For better or worse, Jason Gibbons out on Amazon now. We will have, for those of you who go to games, um, we will have some copies on the stall on Sunday. Um, and Jason might have signed a few of them. Well, that's typical, you see, because um, I shall let you into a little secret, but I'm, uh, um, because we've both been so busy, Marco, because normally, bless your heart, you're in my ear saying, chidge, 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 new book alert, need to interview the writer. <laughs> and I go, yeah, 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 no worries, no worries. Well, I, 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 because I know Jason and I knew the book was out, I uh, I actually uh, initiated the uh, negotiations myself and have paid him the huge fee that he demands. And uh, I will hopefully be talking to him all about it either this week or next, and we'll get it out before the end of the season. So there we go. Can't wait. He's a lovely lad, Jason, so I'm really looking forward to that one. I've got to bloody read the book first, though, and you know how... how I mean, in my old age, mate, I'm getting quite adept at actually not reading the flaming book and still doing a damn fine interview. I mean, I did that with Pat Nevin, but it's, 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 it is the definition of winging it. Mark? Yeah, have you got a strategically placed book on your bookshelf there this evening, Chidge? Which one? Well, just turn around. No, no, I, don't, don't I, mention it. That's why I didn't mention it before the break. <laughs> it's not strategically placed. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean? No, no, I don't. Oh, that's downstairs. The blue tomorrow. Oh, I, can, one. I can see a, I can see a certain book from here. No, that was just me joking. I, I was actually going to say as no, well. I mean, uh, it is strategically placed, wasn't it? Because I can actually. <laughs> Is not a book that Mark Meehan's written? Well, I, I don't know, Marco. It was, it was just a bit, it was peeking around oh. the corner, so to speak, in my bookcase. And I've just pulled it out, as the actress said to the bishop, uh, Blue Tomorrow, the football finance and future oh, of Chelsea hey. Football Club. And Didn't it's you by, write that one, Mark? And it's by Mark Meehan. Mark Who knew? Meehan. Who knew? Amazing. That was like product product placement at its finest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people can see this live on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I sang on the song, you know. No, Blue really? Tomorrow. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah. But, but he no also asked what the, any of these things. Yeah. He also asked the violinist out for a date, if I remember rightly. Mm. Talking of asking violinists out for dates, are we still going to see JK's rock and roll band? Yeah, yep. the ruddy, yep. the ruddy V's, as I like to call them. Yeah, I'm up for that. Yeah, I'm up Please. for that. June third. We'll be the only four people there. Please June come. June third. Okay. The other thing we've got to do, I think we could have a fan cast outing to Mibs's do with Kerry at the Clarence, if you're up for that. Yeah, 18th of June. I'm up for that. I'd love to come. Is that near yeah. your birthday, youth? You know who's taken over the Clarence? Yeah, Tony. Tony, yeah. Yeah, I found out from Kerry himself. He's very delighted to hear that news. 
you know, but anyway, so yeah, um, oh, we could make that a bit of an outing. That'd be a giggle if you're up for that. I'm getting nods of quiet approval. Um, yeah, you know, um, and the Rudy. Hang on, hang on, hang on. June the 3rd, yeah, June the 3rd for the Ruddy no, Beast. Rudy's, Rudy's, anybody listening on Mixler, come, 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 give you a discount. Come, yeah, come, yeah, come. Yeah. All right, I'm in all, for a fiver. All right, all right. When's your birthday, youth? It's around that time, isn't it? I was, I was saying that it's on the 13th, so the 18th can be a... A Marco birthday celebration. Yeah, because I never had a 60th last year. So that means you're still 59, mate. Fantastic. Yeah. Nothing, I'm having a real revisionist view of COVID. Anything of importance that happened during that time that I feel I missed out of clearly just didn't happen. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy with that. Uh, anyway, um, if I don't shut up and get on with it, sorry, Mark, do you want to come in? No, you're mute. You, you snooze, you lose, mate. You're on mute. That, that didn't sorry. happen either. <laughs> I think the other thing about books as well is like Tales from the Shed has gone back to number one in the Chelsea books and Amazon. So thanks for very much. Despite losing on Saturday, people went out and bought the book by the looks of things. Well, that's... It's, it's jockeying for number one with the Greaves book. <laughs> well, there you I've go. got I've got the Greaves book as well, Norman Gillis book. Yeah, right. is it good? Right. Yeah, yeah, good. All right, I am going to get on with the show. Uh, much as I like organising our social diaries in the middle of the show, no other show would do that. Uh, Mark, just a word of advice: move your laptop a- away from you a bit, okay? Because whenever you lean forward, it suddenly blasts out my ear. I was like, you wouldn't believe. So. Uh, Okay, right, JK, finally. Sorry, my old China, uh, stealing your thunder somewhat. We've got some great emails, mate, so uh, take it away, JK. This is from Mo Khan. Hey, Chidge, JK, rest of the crew. First, I'd like to thank you all for the podcast, everything you guys do. Oh, sweet. My commute to work is always better on a Tuesday. The work you do should not go unnoticed. You guys take time out of your own lives to do this for us fans, and it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, Mo just send money i also appreciate your unbiased coverage i'm a lifelong chelsea fan even i can see when we've been bad or when we've been robbed and sometimes it generally is our lackluster defending or a mistake that leads us to conceding not always someone else's fault i've wanted to email you for a while now but have just never had the balls to do so so here goes rudiger Personally, I love Rudy. Only time will tell if we were right to let him go. Well, we didn't have any say in it, really. Although this should be caveat with that, I don't think. Exactly. Chelsea genuinely want him to leave. At the same token, I can't help but think this may be a blessing in disguise. Because I can't remember the last time we gave a long-term contract to a player coming towards the end of his career and us not regretting it a few years later. We all love Branner, but seeing him decline in his last season or two was painful to watch. Let's not forget all the other players we've failed to get rid of, either because they were on large contracts or simply no one wanted them. Let's not forget Tuchel seemed to be the only manager that got a tune out of him. Before Tuchel came in, I wouldn't have been too upset if we let him go. So maybe old Rudy would have returned once he had his shiny new contract. Maybe old Rudy would have returned once he Anyway, atmosphere. I'm a season ticket holder. I've been at the bridge for some amazing games, which produced some brilliant atmospheres that would rival any in the world, including that place in Merseyside. I remember you saying some time ago that it was a known fact that Sky had to remove the microphones near MHL and The Shed as our songs had too much swearing. Surely something can be done about this. Can we not start a campaign to get this resolved? Because I'm fed up with coming home from home games, people watching it on TV telling me there was no atmosphere. Season. Lastly, I'm genuinely annoyed, genuinely annoyed at the media 
too quick to have a go at Chelsea and Tuchel for bad performances. I'm not saying we aren't guilty of some of the stick, but for fuck's sake, they managed to give Liverpool an excuse of one injury for their entire season. But yet whenever they talk about Chelsea's season, it's never caveated with the injuries. Why is this? Why does so much of the media ignore joint genuine facts when it comes to discussing Chelsea? Don't get me wrong. I get we've been really bad at times this season, but they seem to assume Chelsea should have no excuse of being bad as we have such a large squad. Come on, some of those squad players, come on, some of those squad players we have would fail to make a dent in any Premier League side, let alone a side challenging for the title. Very good point, actually, Butch, because this is something we need to discuss. Sorry, guys, girl. I just know Alex isn't here. I just wanted to get some of those things off my chest. I love listening to the podcast, love the work you all do. And we love you writing in, Butch. Thank you very much. Up the Chels, Butch Khan. Is that right, Butch? Well, he says Mohammed Khan on the, on the email and uh, he Calling signs him off Butch. So yeah. there you go. So both of them, yeah. I hope that's right, Butch. Butch Mo. Okay. Mo Butch. Mo Butch, yeah. Mo Butch, Butch Mo. Um, that's a good point, isn't it, about the some of the squads, squad players. And, uh, and in fact, it's something that perhaps... Once again, you know, I'll go back to the Kenyan thing of saying um, every player needs to have a, uh, a, a, a doppelganger who is, um, is equal. And that's, what, that's when you become truly world class and every, every player needs to be a world class player. And at the moment, we haven't got that, which is fair enough. And it, it, once again, it's down to Tuchel to making them play in a certain way. And he's, he has this ability to make players play out of their skin and work in the pattern. And yet... I think we've been found wanting when we've had the injuries. So perhaps the squad needs to be well, slightly better. We, we've we've been we know this. We've been saying this for weeks. We've yeah. got a we've got a kind of arse about face squad because it's been inherited from three different managers. We've got players who can play in some systems for the manager that hired them, but not in others that this manager can play them in. It's 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 a bugger's muddle, mate, as my old my old ma would say. But. Uh, you know, and I think it's actually interesting because this is what Tuchel was basically saying today. He was saying, well, we're we're a long way behind Liverpool by the fact that they've had more time to assemble the squad that Klopp wants and they're always buying players to uh, put into the, 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 you know, the areas that they feel they're lacking and yet we're leaking players. So we've got to, like, replace the leaks before we can even start catching up. And I was, I was kind of... I mean, obviously, there's a bit of politics involved. He's kind of putting putting Bowley on notice that uh, we need to spend some money here, chaps. But I also thought it was refreshingly honest because that's for real, for show, for show, as they say. Anyway, Mo, great email, mate. Thought-provoking, and there's no denying it. Uh, right, this one is from Christian Vigers, I think it is, something like that. It says, Dear Chidge, JK, and Sir slash Dame guest OBE. Uh, long-time listener, occasional writer here. I wanted to start this off by saying uh, that I encountered JK in the wild the other day. Arr! Do you mean out barking at the moon with no clothes on? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, every Thursday. That's his, that's his daily routine at about seven minutes past six, actually, I have to say. But anyway, in my downtime, I can be somewhat of a history geek. Hi, Alex. How are you doing? And I spotted JK's voice in a documentary called The Russian Revolution on Netflix. Great work. It was fun to hear your work outside of the Chelsea fancast. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Now on to the football. I'm writing this the day after the Leeds game, and I'm truly relieved that we got the win. 
I think we really needed that for our league objectives and also in the run-up to the FA Cup final. Following the Wolves game and the recent stretch of form, I was really worried that we were fixing to get spanked by Liverpool during the final, but the solid performance against Leeds has filled me with a glimmer of hope. Uh, which brings me to my next point. The US broadcast pundits spent the entire halftime break yapping about the Liverpool quadruple hopes during a Chelsea game, for fuck's sake. Talk about the game at hand. Analyse Chelsea and Leeds' performance. I really can't stand the fact that everyone is just getting moist over the thought of Liverpool winning the quadruple. The sweeter it will be when we shatter those hopes on Sunday. Oh, Christian, it didn't happen. I really hope we're in for a 2002 Bayer Leverkusen scenario when they had one hand on the treble, Champions League final, DFB Bokal final, and top of the Bundesliga and ended up with nothing. Hope we can be the final nail, sorry, the first nail in their ugly red coffin. Back, back to our terrible run of form leading up to the Leeds game. I can't help but think that players like Christensen and Rudiger were either playing, trying not to get injured, or were already somewhere else, i.e. Spain, mentally. I get that they're both looking for a big payday. And although I'll be sad to see them go, Rudiger in particular, it is what it is. What I can't accept, though, is that players whose contracts at Chelsea are up and have all but signed a contract at a different club no longer give it their all while they're still at Chelsea. I like to think a true professional would continue to put in the same amount of effort until they're officially out of the door. But maybe I'm too much of a romantic. In a sense, I can see how it might be part of human nature to check out mentally once you've signed uh, a new contract, I'm presuming, uh, somewhere else, and you're looking forward to your next challenge which brings me to my point it's my understanding that other clubs can approach players once they have a six months or less left on their contract at their current club seems like a long time to me should we shorten that to two months or even less it would hopefully lead to players continuing to perform their best until the end of the season even if they walk out of the door for free at the end of that season what are your thoughts thank you for all of the amazing work you do i can tell you how helpful the group therapy sessions twice a week are Keep the blue flag flying high and up the Chelsea. Chris Vigers, Nashville, Tennessee. I think it's a very, very good point, that. Um, I mean, who shall I, who shall I pick on? Mar- Marco looks embroiled in correspondence. I shall leave him alone, as does Mr. Meehan, in fact. But I'm going to... Mark's he's woken up like a meerkat, so I'm going to ask him. Um, yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, Mark, I, I, would, I would, you know, as much as one can, of course, and therein lies the problem, possibly... But I would, you know, ban any contact with players at all whilst they're under contract for club. And technically, both Rudiger and Christensen are under contract until June the 30th. No, I'd, I'd agree. I, I think you'd do that. I think the, tr- the trouble is the way contracts are situated at the moment. Once January comes and they're running down the last part of their contract, they're a free agent um, able to talk to people. But it isn't just players. I'd include managers in that as well. Yeah, you know, you've seen the example recently where Forest Green manager resigns and then rocks up at Watford. So clearly, some kind of approach, technical, you might say, is illegal, has been made to that manager um, while he's working with another club. So, you know, even if you had of like a, a, a contract, they're breakable. Players break them. Players have all the power these days. So you're right; it shouldn't happen, but it will continue. Good point. Uh, JK, email number three. Email number three. Matt Scott. Good evening, all. Uh, writing this email immediately after yet another cup final defeat. Not going to lie, this one hurts more than the 2008 Champions League final defeat to Man United. No, never, Matt. Never. 
ah, not sure why it just does. Not for me. Not for me. I'm going to be sick. Okay. Does for me. Uh, okay. Uh, we can sit here and talk about what's and ifs, but the bottom line is it changes absolutely nothing. I really hope the club can get the new ownership done and dusted so we can move forward onto next season. It's clear we need reinforcements, also a lot of dead wood to get rid of. My guess would be that Tommy will want these players in and out as soon as possible. To all my fellow Chelsea fans listening to the podcast tonight, heads up, chest out. I'm doing it. I always used to do that, look up in the air whenever he said heads up. and Chest out, I couldn't do it. It moved forward. Oh, bash my head on the screen. We are the greatest club in the world. Yes, loved you all and up the fucking Chelsea. Yay, Mike, Matt Scott. I was calling him Mike. Matt Scott. Yeah, Matt. Well, Matt, thank you. There is absolutely nothing I can disagree with in any of the emails so far tonight. Uh, you know, this is brilliant in a way. It means we've trained them well. No, but they're all they're all free thinking, clearly very intelligent people, which of course you need to be to listen to this bloody show. Uh, oh. Anyway, I've got actually I've got one that might might you don't need to be to be on it. By the way, you don't need to what. You don't need to be that way well, to be on it. Clearly, otherwise I wouldn't be on it for a start, would I? Um, now, listen, this next email is from somebody incredibly erudite, clever, and also um, somebody who had a lot of uh, what's influence, I suppose, but not in the way that we uh, is pejoratively known now. But it's from no lesser man than the lovely Charles Rose, who, of course, was the uh, the chairman of the Chelsea pitch owners for many years. And, of course, as Marco well knows, and, and Mark... He's been writing for the uh, CFC UK fanzine, I think, for donkeys, hasn't he? Uh, and a lovely chap he is too. I'm very fond of Charles, actually. Anyway, um, decent man. Right. He says, hi, Chidge, JK, et al. Who's al? Who's al? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, first, thanks for the entertainment. A great part of my pre-match travel and much appreciated. Two matters, if I may. Charles, you may. First, the takeover. And yes, it's easy with hindsight to see what's going on. But even then, as you say, uh, we will await to see what happens in the months and years ahead to properly judge the outcome. The reality is that any takeover of any company is complicated. You may not agree with the government on lots of matters, but on this one, didn't they get it right? The key date is not the end of May, but the Premier League... Uh, Premier League's meeting of all the next season's teams when their fixtures are sorted out and the share to each club gets handed out. They need to keep the process rolling. Uh, uh, sorry, they, the, need, the need to keep the process rolling was, I presume, the reason the Secretary of State said what she did to the BBC. If you hint there is more time, then the Legion of Advisors will take more uh, will take more pressure needs to be kept on yeah I agree with that actually Charles I think I might well have said something although I do remember uh, this is probably what instigated you writing this in I did come up with a few classic chidge tin foil hat conspiracy theories as I am wont to do after about two hours into a fan cast but uh, I do agree with what you said now the deadline from the government is there I presume again to give them headroom to sort last minute issues uh, to sort last minute issues. Sorry, I'm reading this appallingly. Normally, it's because I've got the wrong glasses on, honest. Normally, I'm having to hold it out here because I've got my very focals on. It's terrible. <laughs> Normally, you would have a, a fairly lean team. But with the legal and regulatory matters to sort, this is complicated on a scale beyond anything I suspect that any of us have encountered. The matter of the ground alone is just a case in point with the five freeholds and uh, a legion of engineering and other reports that were lodged with rain in the data room they created. I can attest to the amount of time the right of light case took to understand and resolve. And Charles would Charles would know because he was the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Well, I've been, been saying uh, sorry, all the, the this Chelsea time. Chelsea pitch owners. Sorry, Jacob. I've been saying all this time about the right to light. Yeah. Const- 
big, big problems. Well, the new design of the ground had very few seats towards the end of it because they couldn't have an overhang at the far end. But isn't that interesting to have it confirmed? I like that. Yeah. Do you do you mean, um, you know, the houses down by the side? You know, there was a guy that was sticking it to everybody for ages, and I think they eventually paid him off. Well, the, the ones by where the shed is are all heritage. Yeah. And that was a problem. And that's yeah. why they can't build. Everybody just keeps saying, oh, I don't understand. Just build up as far as the shed. No, right to light for all the all the properties around there. And you can't build anywhere further than the shed wall because it's it's all property. It's all ancient properties going back over 100 and so what it is. No, it's the far end. So the east stand was the, where all nearly all the seats were going to be. And the... Um, uh, and to the right, where the Matthew Harding Inn was going to be hardly any at all because of right to light there as well. So it's the ones over the back of the railway line, or no, the, not the railway line, the tube line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So beyond beyond where the uh, fitness club is now. Yeah, that was different. Because there's a whole row of houses that back onto the tube line, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a right fucking pain in the ass. Anyway, excuse my French. Where was I? Uh, I think we uh, we need to give them a break over this. Well, I shall read the last bit. Yeah, I can attest to the amount of time the right of light case took to understand and resolve. Um, I think we need to give them a break over this. When it seems apparent it goes through, it will be a job well done by all concerned. As to the wonderful anti-Putin conspiracy, I would change this one from the red half of North London. Who possibly benefits by trying to counter the wishes of the owner and indeed others by diverting proceeds? If we do fall out of the premiership, who benefits then? Exactly. I think dear Uncle Vlad has a few other issues to worry about than ringing his old mate to get that particular issue live. Right, the team and Saturday. What is it with Chelsea? Ever since Speedy and Dixon, we seem to breed strikers who can't keep onside, he says in caps. I completely lost it when the dear old bag of cement was ambling back when he had the ball and attacking. Their first goal was another case in point as Cover wanted to play the ball forward but could see both Timo and said striker offside. He attempted to turn back, lost the ball and the rest is history. Very good point, Charles, absolutely. God forbid that we try that little trick on Saturday at Wembley where we'll get probably properly taken apart. Anyway, rant over. Apologies for the length of the email and on to Wembley. This is written prior to Leeds, so goodness knows what shape we will be in by then. Let's hope for a bit of form returning and the ability to play as we did in Madrid rather more recently. Best to you all, Charles. So there you go. Great email, Charles. JK. Uh, Neil Spencer. Dear fancast heroes, oh, Neil, thank you. Having first witnessed Chelsea at Charlton in 1977, oh, yes, good old Charlton, I saw the who there, uh, I knew that we were truly awful. We'd lost 4-0, and I've noted to you before, I witnessed our supporters burn or destroy everything in sight. Less than a year later, I listened to the radio as we destroyed the reigning powerhouse of English football, Liverpool, 4-2 at the bridge in the third round. I was going bananas at home in my bedroom. And that's where it became apparent. We're inextricably linked with FA Cup glory, at least in my head as a nine-year-old. From then to 94, they teased us relentlessly, but never made it the whole way. Then in 94, a few short months before I moved to the US, I was queuing up on Fulham Road for a semi-final ticket against Luton. And I couldn't quite believe we had a truly glorious chance of getting to the cup final. 
we ultimately got spanked 4-0 in the rain by those dreadful Mancunians. But to us all, all us Chelsea fans, that was something new and magical, I think. Since then, uh, apart from the old ones, that wasn't particularly magical for me. And since then, we've racked up semi-final and final appearances and even used to win it back in the good old days, five to ten years ago. Now we book our cup final spot in August and somebody, anybody shows up. And by whatever means, be it a refereeing twat, VAR buffoonery or just plain old fashioned scouse luck, we can't seem to win. The nine-year-old me is now doubting his 1978 FA Cup proclamation. And like you all, I'm truly gutted that whilst we should have 10 or 11 of them, we've only got eight. OK, that may be a bit tongue-in-cheek, but you know what I mean. Are we still the team in the FA Cup? Being the wrong side of 50, I still love every round, but I'm worried that new Chelsea is developing a bit of a Wembley curse. I told my sons, don't worry, we're a big game team. And even with them doubting my credibility, I think we are still, though. However, what a snooze fest yesterday was. Fat boy was back to his lumbering self. Fat boy, yes. But it wasn't just him. The met metallic fat boy. It wasn't just him. They all looked shagged out. Even Super Mason Mount wasn't in it as much. Liverpool looked crap also. So it's a shame that in a crap off, they got lucky with penalty jeopardy again. One last thing. The diabolical media love love in with the car thieves absolutely makes me want to puke. Yesterday, some talk sport female host was going on about Liverpool lighting up the arch in red yet again. They haven't been in a cup final in 10 years, love. Take your yet agains and your Anfield South bollocks and stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> Chidge, JK and assorted super guests, I thank you once again for the therapy we also desperately need. Cheers. Connecticut and Neil. And as always, up the Chelsea. Well done, well done, Neil. Terrific. Brilliant email, that. And again, I agree with all of that. And he, he's so right about this, Mark, isn't he? That, you know, it's it's almost, it's like gaslighting, isn't it? That, that's what the media do. Because, you know, that's the first FA Cup final that Klopp's got to. It's the first time they've won it in 10 years. When, of course, well, like, no, they, it's the first time they've been there in 10 years when we beat them. First time they've won it uh, since 2006. So that's what, that's 16 years. It's absolute fucking nonsense. And they're painting it like, you know, I mean, like the t- maybe this is why. I mean, I grew up with them being there nearly every year. And they had these, we were talking to, to Tony about it, weren't we, on Friday, that actually Liverpool's history in the FA Cup and winning it is very similar to our own. They kind of go through spells of winning it or being there all the time. But, you know, maybe that's why the journalists and the media and all that do that, because they've got that lodged in their brain. But it's absolute rubbish. It's like them not winning the fucking league title for 30 years, you know? I don't get it. I don't get it. No, you're absolutely right. 2006 would have been the Millennium Stadium. Yeah. So this this is the first time they've won the FA Cup at the the revamped Wembley Stadium, and you know, and this Anfield South stuff. I love that. You know, take your Anfield South and stick it where the sun's shining. Yeah. yeah. It is. And if you made a list, I think I saw someone did it the other day. I think they made a list of all the former Liverpool players who were working in the media. And I think it went past 50. Sid. Sid does it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, uh, you know, just the, sort of the, the media loving for them and for Klopp and Liverpool. Can you imagine? This is another thing about of only we'd won on Saturday. Can you imagine if we'd won on Saturday and kill that formidable fourth, you know, four titles, best team ever, all that nonsense as well. Yeah. And the, the other thing as well, which we haven't mentioned tonight, that, that Part of that weird behaviour with flares when we've seen Chelsea fans go to prison from that Southampton Cup game from years ago. 
um, this weird, you know, booing of abide with me. You know, you know, they they go on about history. You know, if they know their history, they'd realise that abide with me was played at the funeral of one of the most famous sons who ever played for Liverpool, and that was Emily Hughes. Yeah. The bizarre, you know, the the, the press. Well, you know, not, the media not to mention all the Hillsborough memorial things. They play it there. It's the football memorial. It's, the football it's a football yeah, hymn. It's just bizarre behaviour, and the behaviour is then tolerated by this this media loving of all things Liverpool. And wouldn't it be great if they won all four trophies? And you know, Guardiola getting chastised for some of the things he was sort of saying. Well, actually, you know, if you ask the great majority of football fans I know who aren't Chelsea supporters. They don't want Liverpool in all four things. You know, I don't know anyone that does unless they live in Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the, another another false narrative um, that's that's being perpetrated at the moment. And I didn't dig him out on it because I actually like I like Tony. I think he's a decent bloke, and he's he, you know okay, he's forthright in his opinions and stuff. But I like the guy. Period. All right. And if I like you, you're in. Uh, but the the false narrative, Marco, that that's being put around at the moment, of course, is that. You know, City are, and Tony was saying this, City are the evil empire, the dark lords of the underworld of football because it's all Qatari money or or whatever, wherever it's from, from the Middle East. And, uh, you know, that's evil and bad and horrible football. And, foot, and, and Liverpool are the shining white knights who are doing it all properly and organically. I mean, what a load of absolute fucking arse gravy. Honestly. Honestly, they're saying that. Man- Man- Manchester City... I mean, let's just talk about football here. Let's leave politics and everything else out of it. Manchester City are the lesser of all the evils when it comes to Chelsea's rivals for trophies, in my humble opinion. Um, You know, followed probably by Arsenal and then Liverpool and Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Man United? uh, I don't know. United are just United, aren't they? Um, but the though City, City are, you know, if Chelsea can't win the league, I'm okay with City yeah. winning it four times, three times on the spin. Yeah, yeah. Chelsea of the North. Never mind Anfield South. City of the Chelsea of the North. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I I I can tolerate City winning stuff. What I can't tolerate them. I mean, they're now they're now definitely well. They're not, we're not definitely because they've got to win the league now. But on my little kind of uh, you know screensaver thing on my phone, which lists the number of trophies that every club in England has won, uh, okay. we're we're still Close to Chelsea. Well, it's 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 Liverpool, Man United, or is it Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, us, City? And I think the last look I had, we were four trophies, maybe three ahead of them. So if they win the Premier League, they're going to be a step closer to us. And frankly, unless we get our shit together and they fall apart, they're likely to overtake us, which is going to give me immense sadness. But uh, I, I can tolerate them winning stuff, that aside. But yeah, my, my hate list, Spurs, Liverpool, uh, Man United or Arsenal. Man U- no, Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, Man United, I think would be the four I really hate most, I'd say. City don't even register. I'm totally with you, Marco. Right. Last one. This is not an email. It's supposed to be a question from Jason G on our Discord group. But I think it's more of a statement, really. I don't think he's actually asking a question. And I'm actually going to... I'm going to put my reading glasses on JK because he's bifocals. You know, it's just not working for me, JK. I'll read it if you like, then, Chich. That's all right. I've, I've put, oh, come on, I've got to the effort of finding my reading glasses, putting them on, 
Oh my god, the whole world. Oh, that's made a huge difference apart from I just bang my head. Bang on. your head on the microphone. Yeah. Apart from that, it's all working very well now. Right. Oh, I can actually read it. I can see it. How amazing. Right. Jason G says, I was admittedly very busy with work during the match and only able to catch snippets on my phone here and there. When I did get a few minutes to watch, I saw a team that was banged up, uh, has played a ton of matches and dealt with uh, an off the pitch set of circumstances that is unprecedented in any professional sport ever. They still, uh, but yet they still battled the alleged best team in history to another draw and fell short via the lottery of penalties. So today I thought I would catch up on some of the discussions of the match on Twitter to see what I missed. And I must say, I'm very confused. Uh, I'm confused by the opinions of many popular accounts, they know who they are, making categorizations of our boys bottling it, of a divided fan base and other general disappointment in the team. What is this? Is this a continuing lack of understanding of how sports work by a cadre of PlayStation gaming nerds that comprise Chelsea Twitter, who think sports happens just like they play them on their TVs? Or am I so overly supportive and positive about the continued growth of our core young players and hope that there is a smart squad building and player acquisition to supplement that core that I just don't see what they're talking about? Could well be, Jason. Uh, Perhaps I'm better off just continuing to mute many of these Chelsea Twitter accounts that end up in my feed after a tough loss. Thanks for letting us follow along during another season of glorious unpredictability. And uh, Jason, as he's on the show, I have to put TM at the end of that, as it was invented by Mark Worrell. Uh, But, uh, well, I mean, I think number one, mate, you're right. But, you know, that's why you can't really take anything seriously on Twitter. This is also, by the way, why why we uh, uh, decided to do uh, the, um, what am I talking about? The Patreon group, okay? Uh, which uh, basically, if you join our Patreon group, which of course means you have to pay us a little bit of money every month, I'm afraid, but there you go, it's tough shit. Uh, but if you do, uh, you immediately get um, the wonderful, wonderful idea of a Discord membership for free, which basically is our own version of Twitter, where we don't tend to fall out too much with each other. I mean, those of you who listen to the show live and listen to it on Mixler will know exactly what I'm talking about. It just enables you to witter on about Chelsea, come up with all the news that's going on. And I try to get on there as much as I can, although I'm pretty busy. So there you go. So if you want to join the Patreon group, um, as I said, you can donate as little or as much as you want every month. Um, you go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And as I said, you uh, the minute I get it, I'll try and send you the Discord link. And you can also, if you want, you can uh, you can have a Kerry Dixon mini banner as well uh, for your troubles. A replica of the one that hangs up at the Matthew Harding end. So there you go. We're going to have a very quick break. And then, and then we are going to come back and talk about the Leicester match on Thursday and JK's uh, concerns about the future of the club, which is the, from the, uh, the, uh, the news he picked up today. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Welcome back, I'm Stanford Chidge, and of course, uh, uh, we've got the Chelsea Fancast in the last part. Now, I've got Jonathan Kidd who I have to say looks like he's surrounded by balls. You're knee-deep in balls, JK. Crouchage, and they're all cricket balls. Well, I did wonder, actually. I did think they were either tomatoes or apples. No, I um, I ran a net a few years ago and had a lot of balls available and then uh, um, uh, couldn't find them. 
and they found them in the loft eventually. But I did the same thing again and had some more. So I've got about 40 cricket balls in a jar. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm enriched by that, that knowledge, I have to say. Uh, do, I have to yeah, uh, uh, we, we've also got on the show, we've got the absolutely lovely Marco, Mr. Gate 17 himself, Worrell. Buonasera. Buonasera, mi amico. Uh, and of course, last but by no means least, uh, a man actually I mentioned in dispatches today to somebody I spoke to and uh, who has enriched our lives since he joined the old fan cast a, a while ago, about a year and a half ago now. So there we go, Mr. Mark Mead. Good evening, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. And may I add, he's also the author of Blue Tomorrow. Is he, has he written a book? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Seriously. Really? How are you? Yes, yeah. When did I write that book? I don't know. You must have been. <laughs> is it that? Yes. Oh wow! <laughs> see, I, I don't know about you, but I kind of like. I kind of like. Uh, I can actually see it with these flaming glasses on. Of course, I can't see it now. Oh, I can. Yeah, he's, he's written another book too. Look, look. There you go. There's another book written by Mark Meehan, It says edited. Oh, compiled and edited by Mark Meehan. Not uh-huh. quite the same thing. No, no, I, I, I just look at other other people's work. But no, if, if we do go to the Rudy V's, I'll bring JK's copy. Um, yeah, on that evening, I've still got a copy for him. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Lovely. All right, that's enough loviness from you lot. Um, right, we need to talk about um, uh, the match on Thursday, which uh, I'm. Oh man, you know I've missed so many matches this season. It's killing me. It really is. Uh, you know, missing this one. No, no, no. I'm not. That's kind of what I'm saying. I'm. I'm so I suddenly kind of realized after I got ill with COVID and and missed the Palace uh, semi-final uh, and the West Ham game I thought shit there's only a few home games left what am I going to do so I've absolutely played a blinder because I've got a client that uh, I've managed to move to Wednesday morning I've got another client who's decided to go on holiday and I managed to move the other two clients on Thursday afternoon about two hours earlier which means I can get away at, f- at four o'clock drive up to the smoke Go and have a pint or two in the cock. Go and see Marco on the stool. We might talk of match rituals. That's always my ritual. Go and say hello to Marco. Tarry a while, as he likes to say. And uh, and then off to the game. And then scoot back straight afterwards. So uh, so I am going. And I'm going on, on Sunday, obviously, as well. So there you go. Uh, right, JK, what do I always start with? The team selection. I love this bit, Chief. I know you do. you do. I think you actually really do. I don't think you're just merely saying it to appease me or whatever, but... Uh, again, thankfully, I've printed it out in rather large letters so I can actually read it this time, unlike last week. But I've gone for, you won't be surprised to hear this, but I've gone for Mendy in goal, uh, Rudiger, uh, Chaloba and Aspilicueta because uh, I think Silver, if he was hobbling around on one leg for damn best part of two hours... He's not. He shouldn't be played. I mean, I know we probably need him to be played, but he shouldn't really. I think it would be very unfair. Maybe we need to leave him in reserve in case we need him against uh, Watford on on Sunday. Uh, Aspilicueta comes in because I don't think Christensen. I think we've seen the last of Christensen somehow. Mind you, to be fair, and whatever the state of his mental health is, as we were discussing earlier, I did say after. I can't remember what match it was now, but a match where I felt he was awful, that I never wanted to see him play in a Chelsea shirt again. So it kind of serves me right, really, but schadenfreude. Uh, Jorginho, if he's not, you know, suffered, expired from exhaustion, he starts for me. And so does Loftus-Cheek on the basis that no way Kovacic will be fit and should play, if, uh, if judging by the size of his left ankle from the picture that I saw. I have a suspicion that that is our mid- midfield for the rest of the season because I think Kante should be rested and Kovacic needs to get his ankle sorted out. 
no change uh, in the wing backs, James and Alonso. Hopefully, Alonso's not too exhausted because there's no other option there. And I'm, and you might think I'm potty here, but I am going to go. Well, I'm going to go Mount and Pulisic because I think they deserve to. I don't think we have any other option other than to play Lukaku at front, given that Werner's got a, an awareness in his hamstring and uh, Kavitz, Havertz has done his hamstring, I think, or something's awful happened to him. So I think we're, it's kind of we're pretty much where we were last Saturday, really, isn't it? Uh, Marco, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of uh, selection by elimination, isn't it? Um, as, well, it as you... it's, it's like last man standing, isn't it? I mean, it... You could argue, I don't know if, if um, I think Newcastle are currently drawing with Arsenal, which means we're, we've qualified for the Champions League, if, if that stays the same. You, you could argue if, if players are knackered uh, from the cup final, then give give Dayouf uh, a bit of a run out, which might, might be um, might be something and sort of save the older legs for... Um, you know, a 10 0 drubbing of Watford to avenge the 5 1 hammering from many decades ago. Um, I, I don't know, it's a good one, actually, that Marco. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm going the opposite way, although I think your point about you know, if we've got tired legs and, and minds after Sun Saturday, which I think is inevitable, really. They have got until Thursday to recover, is one thing I would say, and they are very used to having to to play the, you know two games a week I, I'm of the mind get it done first get it out of the way I mean because I know I know if Arsenal draw and I'm kind of hoping that it was going to be actually do you know what I predicted Newcastle would win 2-1 I think in the old Prem prediction so I've screwed myself I'm having a shocker this week by the way as are you weirdly you only had yeah. 8 Puan yeah I know you're I'm still being reeled in are you really now come on mate there's one two games left surely you can't lose it now can't you can't do a Devon lock on us, mate? Surely not. I, I mean, the, the the swing. If you like, you you only need to get a couple. You know, like I had a bad week this week, and if if people near you are getting get a couple of correct scores, that's you're losing a hundred, a hundred. I'm only like a hundred points in front. I, I missed a week by accident. Don't what happened? I went up. <laughs> really. Yeah. Only you could do that, Marco. I've, I, I, obviously, I have a, a, at least three conversations a week with Kerry. Nearly all of them focused on exactly what's going on with the Prem Predictions League. And uh, bless his heart, I told him that you you were now in the lead, and he was so he said, "Oh, brilliant, brilliant!" He said, "I can't win it. I can't. I really like Marco to win it if I can't win it." He said, <laughs> oh, and then he suddenly realised what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, you could win it too, Chidge. You, you could win it too, Chidge. You know, if I can't win it. But... I said, "No, I'd be chuffed to see Marco win it as well." At the moment, uh, I am. I am. Uh, I am a, a, a Kerry Dixon and Dane Whittle sandwich at the moment because uh, Dane is in 30th, I'm in 31st, and Kerry's in 32nd, or is 31st, 32nd, 33rd, I don't know. But I'm having a shocking week. And if Newcastle... Oh, 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 oh! As he speaks, Newcastle won the Arsenal nil. Oh, that's that's quite good. Yeah, I should Coco. I've gone for the draw, but I think all my opponents near by gone for one nil to the Arsenal have they I've, I've gone for the draw yeah I've gone for the gone for the you know the percentages one the Pat Nevin as we call it the 2-1 so you know I made on. all of mine 2-1 except that one yeah. you've gone definitely all Pat Nevin on us 
Yeah, I always thought you were the Pat Nevin of the fan cast. Anyway, JK, we were talking about team selection. Are you broadly in agreement with what I've done there? No. That's unusual. You usually are. No, I'm not. I'm normally offer other options for you. Well, what um, are they? Kepper. Why? Uh, I think I'll give him a rest. Um, give him a run out. Uh, We've got to I win think... the game, mate. We only need one more win to come third. And I don't want to come behind Arsenal or Spurs. We've got to come third. We need it's one more win. If Arsenal lose tonight, I think Arsenal are losing now. Arsenal are losing. Oh, yes. so if Arsenal lose... Yes. Quick... Hang yeah, on, no. let me just have a look at the live standings. You're, that's a good point, Marco. I was going on yeah, the boat. No, yeah, we only need a, we only need a, we only the way it is at the moment. We only need, need a point to finish third. A point to finish third. Yeah, yeah, from two games. That's true. That's true. Arsenal are not the problem. If they lose tonight, the max points they can get are sixty-nine. But the trouble is, Spurs can get maximum of seventy-one if they beat. If they got on Sunday, Norwich. Norwich. So oh dear, about ten nil. I expect. So that's what I'm saying. You know, we okay, we need a point from the last two games. But a win puts it... Well, actually, it, it, we just need a point because that puts it beyond reach because our goal difference is so much better. So no longer would we need a win. We would need a point. But I still want... We've got to finish above Spurs, man. Anyway, so are you going to rest Kepa then, JK? Yep. Um, I'm going to give... Uh, I'm going to rest Rudiger. Um, I don't think he'll play again. Um, Surely they'll uh, give him a sending, a, a, not a sending off like that, but a sending off on Sunday. Saturday, come on Sunday. at the sub against Watford. I don't know. Perhaps you'll play there. Will you stay for the lap of appreciation? Uh, it might go off. He went off first at Leeds, which annoyed me. And he he, he got applauded down by when the um, <laughs> the, the poor fan was uh, um, was uh, had a heart attack nearby. And the Leeds fans were singing Let Him Die, which was just quite appalling um uh he uh he he was given a rudy rudy and he, he was ashamed not ashamed he was slightly embarrassed he gave a little just a tiny little clap for it but you could see he's finding it difficult i don't know I'm, i i think it, it might be an opportunity to play the youth as you say um and i, I don't think he'll play georgini he definitely won't play Kanti. he won't play kovacic uh in which case um uh, cheat gets a go but who's the other one who plays midfield um does he put james into midfield and plays uh no um, um no is the answer well he he just hasn't and won't do it i don't think i mean we've been well, saying he could do. Who, who would he play if saul if if, if uh, of course saul yes yeah. indeed better yes, call or, saul mate yeah yeah right then it but well saul who played you know well against luton in midfield that's the well, it was Luton after all. Yes, okay. So, well, let's look at lowest common denominator. Let's presume Jorginho doesn't play, so it'll be Cheek and Saul. Let's presume he doesn't play Rudiger, so he'll play Saar. Let's play he doesn't play. Uh, say he plays Alonso, I think, because Alonso will, is, seems to be, you know, pretty stable at the moment. But no, Nobody else can play there. No, indeed. Um, and I agree completely about Pulisic, Mount and Lukaku. There is nobody else other than Lukaku. Well, Ziyech. Um, and, uh, well, he won't, yeah, but he, all right. But is he going to like you to play Ziyech, Pulisic and Mount? I don't think so. Mind you, he played them in the uh, in the cup final. So, um, but no, I don't think so. I think in James. So I think it'll be a change about. I wouldn't be surprised if a, if a, if a youth gets in. Um, who's the, um, what's his face? Um, Bale, Soonsop Bell. Soonsop Bell. Lewis Hall. Yeah, yeah. I reckon one of them will play. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be averse to that. Mark, bring some sense to the chaos that JK and I have just put forth. No, I, I agree with JK. Um, 
I think depending on the results tonight, if Arsenal lose tonight, I, I, I suspected that Kepa would get a run out for the last two games of the season as well. Uh, I'm going to go for Zayats instead of Pulisic. I think somewhere Saul will get a run out as well. Um, whether I, I think Jorginho will play, so maybe instead of Loftus Cheek, and perhaps Vale um, and Hall might come on depending how we're doing against Leicester. And if we if we do play Kepa in goal on on Thursday. You never know. We might bring Les Fridge back in goal on Sunday against Watford. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Is there a significance, Mark, with Les Fridge? I can't remember him playing. Well, he only ever got one game where we got spanked by Watford. So if it's a dead rubber, it'd be nice to bring him back for a second game because we might win it the this last time game around. Of the season as well, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. Yeah. We, we Hollins made about, he made about five changes and we got spanked five one. Brilliant! 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 brilliant. Well, we will see. We will see, obviously. Uh, I mean, what I will say is I think if if we don't play my team, I think it's a risk because Leicester, uh, uh, you know, talking about Leicester now, as we ought to really, are without doubt one of the most mercurial sides in, in the league. Um, I mean, they really are. I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I only know this really from, from my, my involvement with the Prem Predictions League because whatever I predict Leicester to do they nearly always do the opposite they lose to everybody they shouldn't lose to and beat a lot of people they they should be I mean their form recently has picked up of course but then again you know who have they played recently uh they beat Watford 5-1 uh on Sunday smashed them out of sight which is hardly a surprise and they beat Norwich 3-0 the week before which is hardly a surprise and then they lost at home to Everton uh, they lost to Tammy Abraham against Roma and they got cuffed by Spurs. So, you know, at the moment they're in a bit of a run of we beat rubbish teams, but we lose to decent teams. So let's hope that's the same. But they've got some decent players and a decent manager. So you can't, as always, with everybody in this league, you cannot take them lightly. Our form's been up and down as well. I mean, head to head, we've had a good run. Well, I say we've had a good run. I mean, we, we beat them 3-0 away last year. And uh, sorry, earlier in the year, and two-one uh, at home. Obviously, in the last game, was it the penultimate or the last game of the season? I forget now. Uh, we lost one-nil, of course, in the cup final, and uh, we lost two-nil in the Premier League before that. And we it was beat the penultimate, wasn't it? It was the penultimate, wasn't it? Because we lost to Villa, didn't we? Yeah. But beating them two-one pretty much sealed the deal, didn't it? Because it was with them that we were competing with, I think. But anyway, we uh, beat them in the cup final uh, in the FA Cup. I can't remember what round. Oh, God, it's in June. So it was all over the place, wasn't it? Don't even remember when that was, but uh, why that was. But, yeah, so they're not to be taken lightly. I mean, the other issue that I've got, Marco, is, um, you know, I, I mean, I've broadly gone for a side that he pretty much picked on Saturday. What kind of a job do you think he has to do to pick the players up? And how's he going to do it? Um, I don't know. I, I think if the game is on a Tuesday... Uh, or a Wednesday, that might be more of an issue. But I mean, sort of, best part of a week's gone by. Um, the sort of the, I I think the players now just get the Champions League qualification nailed, and just get the season out of the way. And I think I think that's pretty much goes for all of us lot as well. Um, I think everyone's had enough of this season now after Saturday. Well, absolutely uh, right. Absolutely right. I, I, everybody that I know who loves the club like we do is just <clears> over <throat> it. You know, it's as I said earlier on, I think it's been the most turbulent, tough uh, and, uh, you know, emotionally 
draining season since 2007-8, really, I think. Uh, which, incidentally, funny enough, the end of which we was, we started doing the Chelsea fancast, bizarrely. But there you go. Mark, you wanted to come in? Yeah, I'd say Leicester, they're a funny old team. They've like won 13, lost 14. Like you, they're a prem prediction nightmare. They're like my Leeds and West Ham. However they predict, they'll actually do the opposite. But yes, at the same period last year, after he lost the FA Cup to them, we made sure of European place by beating them. So we should win. They've got Vardy back. He's back scoring goals. Um, but nonetheless, I think we, we should have enough there. Tuchel should yeah, be in a position to get us over the line, you know, to motivate the players and actually just finish the season with a couple of home wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it goes without saying. That's what we all, all want to see. And But will we, Mark? What's your prediction? Uh, 2-1 to Chelsea, and then we beat Watford you know, with a decent score on Sunday, and we we, fi- we finished the season as best we can of what has been an up-and-down season, you know, at least with a small high. Um, because you're right, you know, there's, there's been some peaks this year. You think Juve at home, you think the three Tottenham games in the space of a week in January, they were peaks, but there's a lot of troughs as well. And I think the troughs probably started in December when we lost um, away at West Ham because we were top of the league then. And look where we finished. So, season that promised much, but could have delivered a lot more. Yeah, definitely right. Uh, Marco, what say you, Mon Ami? Uh, how's it going to pan out? What are you going to predict? I'm going for 3-1 Chelsea on Thursday and 6-0 on Sunday. You're getting it in early. Good man. So, sorry. Was, uh, Mark, was it was in 2-1, you said, wasn't it? Yeah, 2-1 two, 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 Leicester. Yeah, that's what I've got in Prem predictions. 2-1 Leicester. Marco's going for... 3-1 to Chelsea. 3-1 to the Chelsea. Uh, JK, how's it going to pan out? What are you predicting? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Mr. Negativity. Why? Stock, stock <laughs> result recently. Is, is a... we, won't, we won't be able to score. And even if we're overrunning them. And uh, they'll get a lucky goal through somebody's error. Well, I mean, we, we, we scored three against Leeds the other week, so I, I, I think we can score. But I think Leeds, that... Leeds were shit. They were shit. But I do think, uh, you know, it's the old adage that we've been saying even with... Okay, them. okay, you've convinced me. No, no, I haven't yet. I haven't even finished what I was going to say. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Go back to, to, to sensible JK. I kind of slightly prefer it. But if we score early, it's a whole different ball game. And that's what happened against Leeds. We scored after four yeah. minutes... And they, that was it. It was game over, really. And I think it could be with... You see, these teams right now, if, if they, they think they're going to lose, the manager beefs them up that they're not going to lose. Their plans go to shit after five or ten minutes if we score. And they just say, well, fuck it, we're not going to win anyway. That's well, that what happens. Presumes an enormous if, if I we know. score. We haven't done that very often this season. So Yeah, I, I know. I can't see it happening, well, particularly... With the uh, the bag of cement playing centre forward, I know, I know. Well, look, I'm 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 with Marco on this one. I am going for three one. That's what I've gone from the Prem predictions. But as I said earlier on, I'm having a shocker this week, so be very very afraid. Sunday, I agree with Mark. Yeah, I think we sh- we should put a lot past Watford. If we yeah. don't, there'll be questions asked in the house. Now, uh, at the moment, I have to reveal, which also, as, again, as, a, as as I said, is a bit of a a worrying sign for you, lovely people out there. But since my return uh, to the bridge due to COVID issues and stuff, uh, I still have not yet seen Chelsea win. So far, I have seen us get humped by Brentford 4-1. I have seen us get humped by Real Madrid 3-1. I have seen us draw against Wolves 2-2. And now I've seen us draw stroke lose to Liverpool 0-0. Figured that one out. 
And actually, the interesting thing about that is that I am possibly as big a Jonah as Ted Bowley, who also is has not seen us win yet while he's been there. Uh, which brings us, I think, beautifully segued into, not that any of you lot appreciated it, uh, it brings us into uh, what you wanted to talk about, JK. Well, beautifully posted up by Marco. Uh, Matt Lawton of The Times has written an article. I have to say that the other day, um, um, one podcast, I can't remember them, posted, now that the club has been sold to the Bowley Consortium, um, these are the players we will be buying and the rumours accordingly. And I just wrote back, club hasn't been sold properly yet. And I got back, um, the club has been sold. It was all the statements, been sold to the Bowley Consortium. And I wrote back saying, no, the club has to be approved by the Premier League and the government before it's sold. We have to get that absolutely straight because all it needs is for some problem to appear or for somebody to find a problem. And it's, it, it's slightly annoying how Ratcliffe who is a Tory donor, is poised. I'm being very cynical here about this. But anyway, this story appeared today. Um, Matt Lawton of The Times, and I'll read it from Twitter. Chelsea takeover. Government accuses Roman Abramovich of putting club's future in doubt. Sources close to Chelsea owner dispute the claims. But not it's not a good situation for those hoping to see sale approved soon. Story with Martin Ziegler. Then he's made the, he's written the article in the, in the Times accordingly. But then, rather... Um, contrarily, um, a little bit later on, he writes, sources close to Abramovich and takeover process strongly dispute the government's position, saying there should be no issue over the loan. At the end of the day, though, the government is wary of handing over any control of cash to a Cyprus-based trust, which remains very secretive. So, where the money is going to is the problem. Well, it's not. It's they just have to set up a fucking escrow account. Indeed. Indeed. But They're a bunch of wankers. I nearly said well, the Gareth it, word then. But once again, what political gain will they achieve if they throw, if they fail to endorse the purchase and consequently the club get thrown out of the, of the Premier League? What gain is there for the government? Because that's what they'll be looking for. So that's what one needs to reduce this to. No, as we've said all along, we've said that all along. And I can't see any any upside for them of killing Chelsea Football Club because of the, the absolute massive meltdown that will ensue. That And I, it's what we've said all along. Yeah. But, but here we are, and this is coming up again, this very thing that we debated weeks ago. But that's the point, J.K. Lack of government approval. Yeah, but, you know, this this whole situation, and, and I know Mark's very well-versed in football finances, but it'll be interesting to hear what he says in a minute, but this is a salute. The, the, the solution is an escrow account. What could possibly not be, be, be preventing them from thinking that that's the way to, to do it? I mean, I mean, Tony Evans said on, on Friday a very good point, uh, which is, I mean, you know, this is difficult because effectively, even if he says he's going to write off 1.6 billion uh, and give all the rest of it to charity, it's still, you know, Roman Abramovich and whatever company he puts it through owns the Chelsea Football Club. So the money technically has to go to him. And it's the government that wants to stop that happening. Now, the government, I would imagine there is sanctions legislation, so it enables them to do this. So they are the only ones who can sort this out. If they don't want the money to go to Roman, they have to facilitate that by A, setting up an account. But of course the spanner on that works is he can turn around and say, fuck you, I'm not going to. At which point we're we're in the shit. 
clear as day, as you rightly pointed out in that statement. Mark, have you got any sense on this? Uh, you've given a lot of good sense there, Chidge. You know, all along, it's the whole thing about the escrow account. Um, if you listen to Simon Jordan on TalkSport, he said that on many frequent occasions. That very much the solution. There is no way in God's green earth that this government is going to allow this not to go ahead, because as you quite rightly pointed out, the ire of the Chelsea fan will then turn on Her Majesty's government. And the ire is still there for many fans you know, who didn't agree with the sanctions in the first place. So the government will not allow you know, this to fail and Chelsea to fail as well. It's just not going to happen. I have the utmost confidence. I know it's a cliche about thrusting the process, but I have the utmost confidence that Bowley will succeed in acquiring Chelsea Football Club. He hasn't bought it yet, but the sale is near completion. This is last-minute negotiations back and forth between the government and Abramovich, the people acting on Abramovich's behalf. There's no way Abramovich will let Chelsea go to the wall. That just will not happen. So a deal will be resolved in the great ways of most government deals. It will probably be done on the 11th hour of the 11th day or, you know, or the last day of May in this case. The deal, the deal will happen. It will go ahead. It won't fail. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you for all the reasons that you've uh, but but there is a but as well. Even if, for whatever reason, say Bowley didn't proceed, as we've said on the show before, it will not be Ratcliffe. If it would be anyone else, it would be Martin Broughton would be the next person you know, who would fall in line behind it. So Ratcliffe is a non-runner in this equation. Which was you know, stated uh, a week or so ago, yeah. as, we, as we said, yeah. which I quite agree with. I wonder then, uh, Marco, if, if all this is, is you know, a little bit of naughtiness on behalf of the... Uh, the media and and the press, you know, that you know, look, that they, they're under under duress to come up with stuff all the time, as we all know. So it doesn't take much for you know a source to have said it is believed a source or sources said it is believed to have happened, and then you write a story about it about what might happen, even though actually in reality it's never going to happen. I mean that that's that's the media all over, isn't it? Really, it so, certainly is. Um, just squeezing the last drops of juice out of the lemon um before it's tossed away so and on to the next story yeah yeah i, I think as mark said there's no way on god's earth that it's not going to happen but i mean it was never going to be easy was it i mean we're not talking about a few quid down the back of a sofa here so but you know and also agree with jk just the, the amount of blathering already about transfers um I, I knew when to stop reading that when Kalidou Koulibaly was linked with Chelsea <laughs> for, for the Again. 450th consecutive transfer window mm. I couldn't agree more mate I'm, I mean look you know I think I think the consensus among us is is you know uh keep calm and carry on supporting Chelsea really that's about the best thing you can do Mark yeah, I think the other thing as well is, you know, if you're Roman Abramovich and you're dealing with this government, you know, you, you will have a final say about this money. And would I trust some of the, you know, the amount of money on the table that will go at the right place? Possibly not. So, again, this will be last minute negotiations just to make sure that where, where the money goes to is where absolutely it is intended to go to. Well, exactly. And I wouldn't trust this government either because I guarantee you a lot of it will be going in their back pocket if I know those bunch of venal wankers. Uh, anyway, enough of me and politics. Uh, I, I, I plague on all their houses is, is really my repost to that. Um, but I think we're there. We've done, uh, we've managed to get through it. We've worked, we've worked through 
the pain of uh, a, a, an F, another FA Cup final defeat, a third final in a row, which is truly horrible. But uh, we're still here. We'll survive. We'll get over it. Uh, so there you go. Now, um, we will be back, of course, uh, on Freedy Neat. Uh, me and JK will anyway. And we will be joined by uh, Mr. Dean Mears, JK. Fresh from uh, King's Meadows' joyous analysis, no doubt, of the Women's Cup final victory and the double for the uh, the great women's team. What a success they've been. Wow, brilliant. They're, they're, rather, blood, they're rather bloody marvellous, that women's team, marvelous. aren't they? What, what a goal she scored there in the final yeah, game. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I, I was trying to watch it over a bit of lunch yesterday. And uh, when City equalised, I actually I said, I can't watch this. <laughs> I can't I can't do extra time and penalties again. Fuck the fuck off. So I went back upstairs and did did some work and listened to it on the radio and and that was a more, more preferable experience. But I'm, I'm I mean you know we never talk about the women's team and I I feel that I think I feel that we can't really because it's kind of it's Dean's purview on 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 the marvelous show that he does. But uh, you know we should we should we should recognise them for what they are, which is a fantastic football team that great play great football. Uh, you know led and managed by, I mean. Emma Hayes is a remarkable coach. Powerhouse of a woman. Yeah. Powerhouse. Yeah, I think she's wonderful. The only, yeah, she's wonderful. Great commentator, great an, an, an analyzer of the of football when you listen to her. Yeah. She's really on the ball. She's great, absolutely great. Well, well done to Emma Hayes and that fantastic women's football team. They do they do this club credit, actually, and it almost cheered me up that we had actually won a, a trophy yeah. after all at the, at the end of the season. So there you go. And I think it's lovely, isn't it? Because I think we, we now look at them in almost the same breath as what the men do and and i mean I, you know call me old-fashioned it's taken me a long time to get my head around that concept but and that i think just shows you how remarkable their achievements have been again anyway i'm waffling on and i need to go and eat something these poor blokes need to you know stop listening to me rabbiting on that's for sure but yes we'll be back on on friday at seven o'clock uh me jk dean mears and also that lovely chap adam newson from uh the uh, the football the football dot London and talking of football dot London I have actually got I believe I I sent them a, an article today hopefully they'll have that up before uh, before we next meet uh, but it's all about uh, it's called when when does the buck stop so Mark what do you think that might be about Roman Abramovich no Todd Bowley no <laughs> Bruce <laughs> Buck Blue tomorrow Bruce Buck. Mm. Blue day. Shut up. I'm 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 gonna go home. Oh, I already am home. Anyway, yeah, so that's coming out sometime. Now the Chelsea Fancast and Dean's went to Mo Kings Meadow are available as a podcast uh from ChelseaFancast.com uh and all the other places you get your podcasts, so things like iTunes, Apple uh, Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon, all of those kind of things. I'm told that Acast are stopping their player. I'm not quite sure what that means, because as far as I'm aware, I'm still uploading them to ACAST and they get fed out everywhere else but somebody it was Nathan actually lovely lad called Nathan who emailed me this week uh, not emailed me he sent me he sent me a Twitter message and uh, he said he said he said he said uh, I'm sure you're all over it Chidge uh, no of course Nathan but the ACAST app is getting taken down soon we'll still listen on Spotify but thought you might want to let other listeners know as it's part of your outro love the pod anyway yeah so I think it's just the player that they're doing so uh, it'll still go out in the normal places. So there you go. That's all you need to know. I've already told you about Patreon. Thank you for your emails. They're absolutely bloody marvellous. Send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com. 
Uh, or if you want to get in touch, Patreon, Discord, Instagram, Facebook. It's easy to get hold of us. Just send us whatever it is you want read out and we'll read it out. Uh, so there you go. You can follow the show on social media at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Mark at uh, Eddie Mac B A W A, and uh, Mr. Worrell himself, Gate 17 Marco. There is no other. So there you go. And uh, there we go. That's it. That's all, we, all we've got time for tonight, I'm afraid. But uh, Mark, brilliant to see you as always. Brilliant to be on the show. Um, A cast. That sounds like a musical combo from Liverpool. I used to like cast. They were a good band. Uh, mate. No, I liked that. Yeah. Oh, they had a couple of good songs. Yeah. Um, good to be on. Uh, I hope people listening, that was helpful getting over the disappointment of going out on penalties to Liverpool on Saturday. And just think Rodney, this time next year, we won't necessarily be millionaires, but we might be back here celebrating a Chelsea Cup triumph in some shape or form. Well, I would hope so. That would be another another record to be proud of. Actually, Marco, I've just realised at the 11th hour why Chelsea did not win the Cup on Saturday. Every Boy. time I've seen Chelsea win the Cup final at Wembley, I have bumped into a certain Dave, hurry up, it's only a pound, Johnson, and I've given him a big hug and kissed his little bald head. And uh, Chelsea have gone on to do the business. And I didn't see him on Saturday. So it's Dave's fault we've lost. Yeah, basically, it's all Dave's fault. But there you go. <laughs> Marco, always an absolute delight to see you, mate. Looking well. And uh, hopefully I'll catch up with you on Thursday. I'll see you at the store, mate, on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. Great to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Buona sera. Hopefully we'll see you for the end of season Hooli, when we can have a few beers and munch oh, yeah, over, yeah. over what, what's gone on this yeah. whole season. But I'll see you on Thursday at the stall. Last, but by no means least, the absolute leg end that is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Edge, thank you. Yeah, it's good to see you, mate. Uh, tough one to take on Saturday, but, uh, you know, we, we, we move on, as they say. Part, part of life's rich pageant, Chidge. Yeah, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, mate. Hey, take it, you know, yeah. yeah. There we go. You arrive with the punches and then... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, look, you have a good week. Uh, enjoy the match on Thursday if I don't see you. And uh, we will reconvene... Well, I might... Well, Sunday, of course. We've got another another match after that show. Yeah, and then that's it. No more football. But we'll tell you what we're up to after that. So there we go. We're done. Thank you for listening. See you on Friday. Until then, keep it blue. Keep it carefree. And keep it chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.